Welcome to Fixie's Playground. I'm your host, Trevor. It is June the 18th. We are in summer, and uh, it sucks a lot. It's been 9 degrees like every day this week. And deep up to August, it's going to probably be like 105. I can just feel it. Feel it on my skin. So, um, But it's good to be back. It's good to be pushing out some episodes again. Tonight I have a guest with me who is a longtime family friend and also relation of the person I had for my very first episode. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, my name is uh, Forrest Kidder. Uh, like Trevor said, I'm Kenneth's son. Uh, he was in episode one. I'm 29 years old. Uh, be 30 in a couple of months. I live in Lafayette right now, but like Trevor was saying, I grew up with uh, with him and Mamu. Been knowing him. Pretty much my entire life. Pretty much. Our, our, yeah. our family, our parents were friends, close friends, high school, yeah, high school and after. So uh, after I think like the fourth or fifth grade is when I kind of moved around a lot, but whenever we'd come down, we'd see y'all. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure I was like 13 or 14 before I finally realized that my mom just said you were my cousin. I, yeah. Yeah. I grew well, up thinking you were my cousin the entire time. Our families were probably close even like before our parents, because like my mom and your mom grew up together. Right. Yeah. My mom. And your mom used to, your, your mom would spend summers at, at the Dare household with my mom. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I consider you extended family. Oh yeah, pretty you much. Know, it's if you called, I would I would answer. So. Oh yeah. Um, you know, it's it's that kind of close. So, uh, we've always had a close friendship, and yeah, man. I mean. <laughs> And then, let's see. I guess we can start with some introductory questions, just kind of get the conversation rolling. So, I know you and I share some some books that we like. Oh yeah. Specifically, The Inheritance Cycle by Christopher Paolini. Oh yeah. This is an old one. Yeah, yeah it's been a while since I read those. But, um, those. but what's another series you would like to suggest to the listeners? Um, probably just off the top of my head, and just just because I started playing Magic: The Gathering again mm-hmm. recently, but uh. So they used to put out a set of books with every series in Magic. Uh, I'm not sure if they do that anymore. But way back in the day, before they even put them out with sets, they put out a, a series of Magic the Gathering books. Um, the very first one is called Magic the Gathering Arena. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's about a guy named Garth One-Eye. And he, he's, it just goes through his whole story, right? Yeah. But uh, they ended up coming up with two or three others after that that fit into that story arc. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were actually talking about this at work the other day that the new Magic set they're actually reprinting some of these characters from that original book. Oh, they really? And uh, it is it is. So I'm assuming you've heard of like the Dritz series. Yep. I actually I've never I never really got into reading okay. those. It's, but uh, I, I need to. I did a couple years ago, but the, here's the here's the issue. It's about forty to fifty books. Yeah, and see, so I'm just letting you know it's yeah. now. If you need the first three, I have them. Okay. We borrow them sometimes. Oh, I, even, I have a um, an illustrated book of the first three, so it's pictures with oh, the nice. storyline. Okay. Now, what's unique about this series is what I call the first three books, and what the actual official first three books are two different things, and yeah. this is a mainstream consensus. So what happened was, and I know you don't know the names, but you have the first three books is the origins of Dritz Duarte, Duarte, mm-hmm. which 
now the series revolves around almost categorically. You know, it's his perspective. Right. But those were actually books four, five, and six in the series. The first three books was called the Crystal Shard series. Okay. And it revolved around um, Wolfgar, who was basically kind of like a Nordic barbarian, mm-hmm. a dwarf. His adopted daughter, who's a human, a halfling named Regis. Okay. And then Dritz coming upon them. Now, in the fantasy world, which is also akin to D&D world, Forgotten Realms. Right. Dritz is a dark elf. Dark elves are evil in this world. But Dritz is not evil. So he runs away from his society because his personal beliefs don't align with the Spider Queen, who's the god. Okay. She's a god of chaos. But it's the race itself is pretty much evil. They have slaves. They treat their males like second-class citizens. So all the females are higher in rank always. Okay. And he just didn't agree with their philosophies or whatever. He leaves. He goes into the Underdark on his own for like 50 years, just being... A badass. Okay. And then he goes to the surface world and he adjusts his eyes to the sunlight and he has to basically, you know, prove that he's not evil and stuff like that. So his first three books is his growing up in that society and leaving. Okay. And then the actual first three books are, is him meeting people in the outside world. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And forming a bond with them. All right. So, and they end up becoming the companions of the hall, which is what the entire series kind of revolves around. Okay. Yeah, no, this magic series, it's only like, like two or three hundred pages, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's I one mean, of those few books. I used books to have some of like the, the lower wind books yeah, and yeah. stuff like that when they came out with those series. Those are some of the later but ones. The reason I bought up Dritz is because one of the new series coming out in July is specifically going to have Drift as a card. It's yeah. going to have um, Bruner, Battlehammer, which is the dwarf. The same set that has Garth one eye and everything. Okay. Yep. So I'm actually probably going to buy a booster box of those. If for no other reason to have those cards. Yeah. And, uh, the, the, a lot of the artwork is going to be inspired by the Drift world and also have some of the originals. So yeah. Kind of funny story, man. The first time I ever heard of Drift was... Um, I know you remember Alec, mm-hmm. uh, one of our other friends from high school. We kind of played Dungeons and Dragons and Magic and stuff together. Well, uh, back then they had this little like a D and D miniatures game, mm-hmm. and uh, we played the crap out of it. We yeah. worked at the lair. And we ordered those things. Oh yeah, I bought some. Well, uh, I had bought a booster box of these little minis, mm-hmm. and I opened one of them. and I'm like, oh, this little guy looks cool. And Alec's like, holy crap, dude, that's that's just. And I was like, what? And then he was like. That dude's really badass. And I was like, oh, cool. So I mm-hmm. ended up, like, one of the first miniature boxes I opened, I got I got him as the actual character, and you, you, know, you get the little cord with all mm-hmm. the stats and everything. Mm-hmm. He's a badass. Like, in, a, in D&D terms, which listeners, y'all might not understand, but Forrest will, if you looked at his character sheet for D&D, he's got levels in Ranger, Fighter, yeah. and then the last couple levels are Monk. Okay, and, I thought he had some Arcane classes as well. Um... No. Okay, he, he doesn't think of someone else. He, so he has the inherent ma- magic of like the Dark Elves, so like gotcha. fairy, fire, and levitation. But in the books, he he loses those when he um, detaches himself from the Spider Queen because it's specifically 
like her school of magic in that oh, okay. so when he's no longer a follower of the spider queen and he's no longer one of the house like one of the great houses he loses those abilities eventually okay um, so yeah they're coming out the Dungeons and dragons video game soon too and it, yes. it has drizzit it has the dwarf and it looks absolutely gorgeous oh and the story's gonna be amazing i'm yeah. sure like i really like the jerk series you have to take breaks though <laughs> All like, right. because, like, don't get me wrong, like, the themes, there's always something to be learned. Like, the start of each book is, like, a Drix model, kind of, okay. of whatever he's dealing with at the time. And now his character progression is awesome. And obviously the magic, the battles, like, there's plenty of great stuff. If you like D&D or like the book series, it's just daunting. Take your time. Enjoy yeah. it. Take breaks. That's what I did. I had to. And even then, I probably read them all, like, relatively quickly. Okay. Cool, yeah, man. I'll have to check that out. Uh, probably the last big book series I read was Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. which you know, one day we'll get an ending. I, I read them too. I read yeah. them too. Yes. I was uh, I was actually working in West Texas at the time. We oh, had really? to drive out to these well pads, and you know, I'd, I'd go and install some equipment, and we had to wait for them mm-hmm. to be able to test it on their end. So I'd, I'd have to sit in the truck, you yep. know, wait on a well pad for like an hour or two. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, man, I crushed Game of Thrones sitting in the so, oil fields of West Texas. When, when I used to do tank cleaning in mm-hmm. the oil fields, we'd have like some of those like wait wait sessions, or just sometimes you're driving four hours to a location. Yep. So like that's one of the reasons I bought uh, an e-reader. I bought a Nook. Okay. I still have it. Like ever since then, I'll I'll buy a new one every once in a while, but only if like my old one craps out. Right. And the reason I bought that was because I'd bring a book with me, and then I'd finish reading it, like, halfway through the trip. <laughs> I'm like, I want to read more. Yeah, we, uh, so instead of bringing a virtual library with me wherever I walked, yep. I have, you know, an actual library with me wherever I walk. See, the big thing, I was usually by myself driving and stuff, so I was doing podcasts. So, yeah. Uh, that's what kind of where I really started getting into podcasts. I listened to some actual play. Um, RPG podcast. I, I looked around mm-hmm. for a little bit. Um, I ended up listen, settling on the Glass Cannon podcast. Okay. Phenomenal actual play Pathfinder podcast. Yeah. They've uh, they've actually grown it into a, a full network where they they do uh, something like four or five concurrent shows. Mm-hmm. So we actually uh, their their original podcast is Pathfinder first edition. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a Starfinder podcast using the Starfinder rules by mm-hmm. Plyzo. Uh, they have multiple other Pathfinder podcasts with other GMs mm-hmm. besides the main one. Um, yeah, so they kind of branched out and mm-hmm. added different styles, kind yeah. of. And then they also do a segment called New Game Who Is, which is really cool. They kind of just pick a game every month or two months or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they just play it. They, That's they, pretty cool. They, they play test kind of. Yeah, they, they just buy a rule book, mm-hmm. and uh, one person decides they're going to run the game. Three or four others try to learn the rules, and they just sit down and play it. And they yeah. just at the end, they're like, how did you guys like it? You know, they'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, they actually spun off some some new podcasts oh, really? for their network just from that new game who did. See, and I, and I like that. Like when, when a, a podcast host or something branches off and create new avenues. Right. It, it's um, pretty cool because at, at the very beginning, the guy that started it, you know, he was like, Pathfinder is, is God. That mm-hmm. guy is the only thing I'll ever play. Yeah. No other system is yeah. as good. And they're kind of like, now they're like, man, there are some really good systems out there. We're going to try them. So I actually submitted Tortured Earth. Uh, mm-hmm. once, once we get the edit finished up, we're going to hopefully be able hopefully to get them so. a copy. That yeah. would be pretty awesome. Hopefully they can so give it a spin. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get out there, man. We're going we're gonna to do it. Uh, I talked to your dad, actually, Wednesday, I think I called him. 
Sounds about right, because I, I remember him telling me to talk to you. Was it this Wednesday, or was it... Were we supposed to play this weekend, or was it last weekend? Uh, this weekend was talked about. It was originally, okay. like, tentatively on the schedule, and we never committed, yeah. so we just kind of... Yeah, yeah, I called him, and he was like, look, man, um, they're trying to get their second edition out of Tortured Earth. Um, yeah, we're actually... Uh, and he, he's having to deal with some formatting issues with the printers, he told mm-hmm. me. So he had to kind of put the podcast on, on hold for a second while him uh, him and Kevin work out all the kinks, get it up and running. And I told him, I said, look, that's fine. Like, I'm not in a rush. Like, I'm yeah. pretty easy going. Like, right. the only time you upset me is if you, like, call me the day before. I'm like, hey, let's do a podcast tomorrow. I'm like, I want to, yeah. but I can't. And I'm upset because I can't. Yeah. Don't do that to me. Like, other than that, if you have to cancel, that's fine. No, yeah. And like I've told him before, you know, it's like, it's better to just make sure we're doing it right. Yeah. You You want to do it right. And and especially with that, like this, this podcast, I love y'all listeners. I actually have an editing program, which I'm going to try to start making my episodes a little bit more clean. But the fact of the matter is, is I like the freestyle of this podcast, of my podcast. I like tangenting off into the abyss and the unedited version of it, you know, because it's just freeform, and I like that. But for Tortured Earth, I think you need to do it right. You need to push out a good, clean product, because we want everyone to enjoy Tortured Earth. We want everyone to play and be excited, but it's Kenneth's company. It's his, you know, baby, Mm -hmm. is what I call it. Like, he put a lot of love, time, and effort into this project for the past over five years. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ten years, really. And, um, I want him to do it right, not only to make it a you know a superior product, but also to represent him in a great way. You know, oh, yeah, so uh, when he calls and he says, "Hey, I need you to look over this," or "Hey, we need to postpone," that's fine. I'll do whatever it needs to get done. <laughs> oh, yeah, the editing man, he's he's been struggling. He's been stressing over it. It's uh, editing is is tough. I yeah. I understand. I just started editing for another podcast that I'm doing called Fantasy Ambush, which is fantasy football you folks y'all check it out um and i'm just doing basic stuff and the first episode was i think after edit it was like an hour 20 minutes Mm -hmm. but i probably spent six hours editing now that was finding an introduction Mm -hmm. and when you do an introduction and especially for the football podcast i have um so uh, i guess a little bit of backstory we're going to tangent a little bit right here right now the podcast is called Fantasy Ambush. Well, I'm a huge Saints fan. In the Super Bowl, after halftime, they kicked an onside kick. Right. The name of the play was Ambush. So the introduction to our podcast is actually Sean Payton in the locker room saying, we're going to run Ambush at the kickoff. That's, that's awesome. And then, and then it segues from that to a snap count of downset HUD or something like that, and then it'll fade off with music into us discussion. And it took me a long time to find the appropriate audio without like music and background mm-hmm. noise and stuff, and to be able to chop it in, learn how to fade it out while mm-hmm. he starts talking. So, and this this is probably simple stuff. Someone who's actually worked with is probably like, oh, that's easy. Look, I literally downloaded the program. And started messing with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, and your dad's doing a lot more than that with his editing. So, yeah. it's it's rough. No, I uh, I helped him 
trying to kind of find the, the best audio ideas, you know, that's mm-hmm. the whole, uh, everyone having their own separate line input, you know, it's like, that's really important, man. We gotta, gotta make sure voice, voice quality yeah. is key with these things. Um, I do like your dad is very open-minded to new ideas and doing it better. Mm-hmm. No, sure. He's meticulous. Anyone who knows him is okay. very meticulous, but surprisingly enough, as meticulous as he is, he's very much open to oh, yeah. a different idea or, or doing something like that. Um, I had the first episode with him, and it happened because like he saw I was trying to do an episode, and he was like, well, I'm, I'm kind of thinking of starting a podcast. He's like, you have any hearers or anything? I was like, so I told him what I did, and I was like, you need to find what works best for you. Now, I'm using a laptop and a microphone. He has a setup. And I told him, I was like, you probably need a setup for what you're doing. Yeah, kind of like what I was telling him. I was like, look, man, because like I said, I listened probably to like 10 or 15 different actual play podcasts before mm-hmm. I found one I really liked. And I told him, I said, look, man, there is some. It sounds like they took a microphone, kind of like what you have here, mm-hmm. and they put it on a folding table in the middle of a convention hall and tried to play a game of Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. I was like, the story might be really cool unlistenable. Yeah. You know, I listened to someone with really good audio and the story wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. You know, this, I finally found this one podcast where they painstakingly set up their audio correctly and they have a great story. Yep. And it, it, it's a great listening experience. Mm-hmm. So I told that, you know, I was like, hey, I have a lot of faith in you as a GM. You obviously are very creative. You made your own game, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like, you got the story. We know, everyone knows you got the mm-hmm. story. Let's make sure the audio is good. Yeah. You know, that way. Yeah, you know, yeah. Give everyone something. You, you don't want people to not listen to because they can't stand the yeah. sound of your voice. Yeah. Or the crackling noise in the background. Yeah. Obviously, on this podcast, I don't care that much, but <laughs> I'm getting better at it. And I, there are certain things that I do to avoid extraneous noise. But, um, yeah, I'm glad he's, he's doing it the right way. Obviously, I don't really have that much of a vested interest in it, but I want it to succeed. So, you know, I'm glad he's doing it the right way. So you added all the sounds of my, my beer twist, right? Uh, I'm, I'm leaving that in. They're, <laughs> they're going to know we're drinking alcohol okay, yeah. while we're talking. For anyone who doesn't know, if you come on to Fixie's Playground as a guest, you get a complimentary six-pack of beer. Yeah, tonight I'm enjoying a uh, six-pack of Yingling, which is one of my favorite all-time beers. It is good. Man, beer. I know so many people that love Yingling. And to think that it used to not be sold in Louisiana. I remember when I used to go east, uh, we went to actually went to Pennsylvania for mm-hmm. a new conference. And, yeah. Uh, I brought back like two cases of it. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, uh, Travis O'Connor would do the same thing. Like, but I don't think he was a road salesman at that point. But like, he used to just take off and travel, which I've talked about in previous episodes. Like, because we lived together for years. Okay. He's, I mean, he's one of my best friends. But he was my wife Mary's best friend in college, also. Oh, okay. So he lived with us because we just all got along. And um, him and I would work seven and seven together in Fouchon. And we would carpool there, safe on gas, carpool back. So he would literally drop his stuff off and drop me off at our apartment. And he's like, I'm gone. I'm like, well, where are you going? He's like, go and drive. I'll be back in a couple of days. And he would just take off in one direction just to explore. But when he'd go out of state, he'd come back with a couple of cases of England. He was oh, like, yeah. this beer is so good. He's like, I don't know why they don't sell it in Louisiana. It's so good. And it's a great price point, you know? Yeah, it, Look, that six pack was seven ninety nine at a country gas station. Yeah. So uh, you can't beat that. No, nah, you buy any uh, other kind of craft brew, and it's yeah, you know, yeah. nine, ten bucks a yeah, six pack. Yeah. And then uh, obviously, I'm drinking my tried and true strawberry reds. 
I'm not a beer drinker. I like reds. I like the sweetness. Um, if it wasn't this, I'd be drinking vodka. And I can't. I have to drive home, so I can't drink vodka while I do these these episodes. I have two episodes where I drink vodka and talk to somebody, and you can tell. <laughs> like, towards the end of it, like, my voice starts slurring. Like, I start getting tired. I'm just like, stick to beer. Yeah, so my like, podcast episodes stick to beer because I can drink just enough to loosen up, but not enough to actually make me buzz. Like I won't right. be buzzed on the sick pack. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a bourbon guy myself. So. Look, bourbon. I do like vodka and cranberry though. Oh, but yeah. those those are my two things really. Um, my father-in-law got me stuck on uh, Jim Bean. Don't know why, but like for Christmas every year, we get together with his side of the family. And every year he bring a half gallon a handle of Jim Bean to Christmas. And there ain't nothing else to drink for me. And it's for whoever wants it. So I just drink Jim Bean. Mm-hmm. At first I didn't really like it that much, I'll be honest with you. And then it just kind of stuck on me. Now I like it. So I have I have a fifth at the house. And then uh, I have a fifth of Tito's for Tito's vodka. Good. And Tito's is good. It's better than Taka. I can oh, tell you yeah. that. I used to buy a Sky Vodka. Was kind of my go-to. Big, also big, good. big blue bottle. Yep. It's pretty. Tastes good. Patitos is pretty good. Yeah. Taka, that's something you leave in your early uh, college career. Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, for me, yes. For anyone else from my mom, probably when they were like 17. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just being honest. I think the last time I had Taka might have been a sophomore in college, yeah, and I was yeah. like, yeah, that just... This stuff is cheap, but it's also terrible. Yeah, I should just spend a little more and enjoy yeah, myself more. Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, so almost every podcast I have beer in me. So I'm just letting y'all know, listeners, in case you were wondering. Yeah, it's always you know you should always always just give a shout out to the guys that are supplying your beer. Yeah, you know, let let the listeners know what what kind of beers are yeah. on display. When you listen to this, drink it. That's fine. You can do that. <laughs> so you're talking about fantasy football podcast, yes, man. Uh, yes. I have a weird draft strategy. So oh, oh so, so first off, you play fantasy football. Oh, I play fantasy football. This is great. I'm so happy about this. I'm a, I'm consistently mediocre. Okay. I think okay. I've won a league once. I've gotten second an embarrassing amount of times. Um, and do y'all do y'all play for money or you do for leagues? Um, I do several at the office. We have mm-hmm. we have a pretty big league. It's pretty brutal. It's uh twelve teams. Yeah. Half PPR. Yeah. So, uh, I Which want, is, for me, it's the go to. Like, I'm kind of a, a fantasy snob. I think anything that has less than 12 teams just isn't as good. Yeah. So, that you have too many options. Like, what are you doing with an 18 fantasy football league? Like, everybody has a top 20, like, everything. Yeah, <laughs> what pretty are you much. Doing, you know? <laughs> well, you know, in the office league, we have that many people. Um, we play for a trophy. So, yeah. my name is on the trophy once. I'm happy with that. Um, I play in another league with some friends of mine. It, it is a small league. Mm-hmm. It's only eight teams. Uh, we do a pretty high buy-in. It's a hundred bucks. Okay. So yeah, that's, so, that's pretty high. Yeah. Uh, so it's hard to find a lot of people to commit to that. I have two money leagues and both are $50 and one I'm in Hunter with, which is fantasy ambush podcast. I'm going to go ahead and plug it again. Uh, me and my buddy Hunter started this podcast. So this league has been running since 2012. Okay. 2013, maybe? My money league started in 12. Okay. Yep. So that's $50 buy-in. Um, we have a trophy. You get your name on it. You also get money. So I've gotten... And then, but, I was going to say, my, my money league, I think I've gotten second 
three or four times. Okay. Do y'all do any payouts per second? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so we used to do payouts per second, like where you get your money back. But what we ended up doing the last three or four years is your first place gets like a large chunk, and whoever has the highest points scored would okay. get a 50, like fifty dollars back. That's interesting. Instead of doing the second, I, think we just, I don't know why we swapped for that, but um, everyone liked it. So yeah, we we do a third place gets your money back, okay. second place doubles, mm-hmm. and then first place gets the rest. Yeah. Now my second money league, so the first one's a twelve team full PPR league, one quarterback, pretty standard scoring except for the fact that it's PPR, right? Second week is a twelve team half point dynasty league. Okay. That I inherited last year, and also won the championship with. First year. Nice. And they pay off first, second, and third. But I still got a healthy chunk that paid for that league, my other league, and then gave me enough money to run both leagues for the next two years, three nice. years. So I can't complain. No, absolutely. So. And then uh, my third league, yeah. if you say you're a fantasy football purist, you're going to absolutely hate this. It's a bunch of buddies from college. Uh, I went to UL, by the way, for chemical engineering. So uh, it's me and five other friends from, uh, from Kimmy. Yeah. And uh, so it's six-team league. It's very Six small. Six-team league. Wow. So we don't Look, charge. Man, if you have fun, that's all that matters. Yeah. So we don't we don't charge any money for it. And yeah, it's just for fun. scoring is absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, well, uh, I mean, automatically, just the teams are probably absolutely ridiculous, right? Well, yeah, the teams are pretty stacked. It, I don't think we've seen a successful trade yet in four or five years of the league. Really? Just Do y'all because, cancel or just? No, just... Um, Nobody needs to trade. No one needs to trade. Yeah. The teams are yeah. all so stacked. So it's yeah. like you start out trying to get a little yeah. role like player. And it's like I want to trade you Dalvin Cook for Derrick Henry. Yeah, it turns into like four first rounders on each side. And then everyone's like, oh, you're trying to fleece me, man. I'm not, I'm yeah. not fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, the, the, the scores week in and week out are like in the 200s or 300s. God, that's ridiculous. It's absolutely insane. So j- just, just for comparison, my $50 league, that's 12 team. Like full point PPR, I think a really good week. One fifty, one seventy. One fifty to one sixty. Mm-hmm. I think we've seen a two hundred point week, but that's like the highest score ever yeah. in the in like the history of the league. Yeah, that's how the so, eighteen league is. Yeah, yeah. Now this one to kind of offset the fact that we have so few people in the league. The rosters are huge. You, yeah. you basically start yeah. two quarterbacks, four running backs, six yeah, receivers. Which, that's fine. You only have. Five other teams, so like yeah, so we, you know, because we we played normally, and I was like, well, but like every team is so stacked, like the waiver wires are useless. Mm-hmm. So we uh we tried to mix it up, and, and like I said, the point scoring is just bonkers, and it's mm-hmm. kind of I played in a league a long time ago, where one of my friends that is one of my first work league I ever played, and first year I ever played, he goes, uh, yeah, man, I I can set up the league for everybody. I'm like, all right, cool, we set up the league. So he sets it up. We start drafting. We start looking at the scoring, and I was like, "He's like it's PPR." So okay, well PPR, he thought that meant point for anything. It's like receivers got a point per reception. Yeah. Running backs also got a point per rush. Mm-hmm. And this was in 2013. I remember I drafted LaShawn McCoy. Yeah. And that guy was putting up 50 points oh, a yeah. game. Yeah, he was ridiculous. You know, and uh, so that our other league we had yeah, back when he was with the Eagles and he yeah. was just dominating. Yeah. So yeah, that that's my three fantasy leagues. But yeah. said I let you know because I figured you'd laugh at me for oh, this. But oh. any any league I play in, it's running back heavy, mm-hmm. pretty much off the top. Yeah, it's it's one of the first positions to just go. And my, my, mentality, my mentality is like, look, 
even an elite receiver is sharing the ball, right? Mm-hmm. If you have a bell cow, true bell cow back, which is very hard to find in the NFL now, mm-hmm. that's your go-to. They're going to yeah. feed that guy the ball. Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook. Yeah. Uh, CMC. Yeah, CMC. Um, that's really it. Pretty much. There's, there's, a, I mean, there's a handful of others that are going to get the ball a lot. The, the other running backs – are just highly efficient, but they don't. Oh, get, Saquon. But they Saquon don't get okay, a lot. Saquon, but he's been injured the last two years and has a bad O line and yeah. a bad team. So it's he could very well be just the number one overall running back. He has the talent. I mean, he had like two thousand yeah. all-purpose yards his rookie year. Like he's he's extremely talented. But you do have to wonder, will he stay healthy? Yeah. If the Giants are doing bad, they're in a situation to pass for. They went out and grabbed like two wide receivers and a tight end this this offseason. Yeah, hopefully so um you just have to kinda wonder. But to get back on track, like Bell Cow running backs are hard to come by. Yeah. Nick Chubb. Nick he's Chubb. he's a Bell Cow, but he he does share. He shares with but he probably gets at least twenty touches a game, mm-hmm. which which I think is more of a Bell Cow rule because most of the time Running backs who share get 15, yeah. I say 15 touches, which you don't think that's a lot, but those five extra touches make a big difference. Oh, yeah. If those are five catches, that's five extra points. Mm-hmm. And then you're looking at that's if they don't get any yardage. Yep. Even if they average standard running back yards, let's say seven, eight yards, I mean, that's still yes. five catches for 40-something yards. That's nine points. Yep. And that's not including the rushing, the touchdowns, mm-hmm. anything else. So um, it's important, man. Um, yeah, like I said, I go running back heavy. The only time I don't is in that 12-team league. You know, if I'm picking seventh or eighth, yeah. I'm, I'm probably got three so, receiver. So, okay, so I have a fantasy football podcast, but I listen to probably like eight other fantasy football podcasts because I like to stay leveled in the news right, right. more and see different, hear different opinions because I definitely have my own opinion. But it's good. Some of it's informational. So... One of the stat lines that came out per PFF, anyone who knows fantasy football knows what pro football focus is, it's a, a metrics slash stat system, right? And it's reputable. Um, so they said that after, uh, what is it, your sixth running back off the board, the drop off between the seventh and your third best receiver to like your eighth best receiver, there's such a fundamental difference that there's absolutely no point fantasy wise in drafting a running back after the six ones off the board. You should almost always draft a wide receiver yeah. because their fantasy production is just so much higher oh, than absolutely. that seventh running back. So if you're at the 10th, 11th, 12th spot, 10th spot, you could probably get your hands on the top five running back maybe. Maybe if you get lucky. De- depends on uh, how many Saints fans are in the draft. You're right. Um, also, if it's a if it's a one QB league, no. But if it's a, a super flex league or a two QB league, you could probably get one. Yeah. Um, format definitely matters. Uh, also, PPR matters. Um, Derrick Henry will probably be like first off the board in, in a standard league. So would, Nick Chubb would be a lot higher than what he would be in a standard mm-hmm. league. Um, but. If I'm at the 11th, 12th turn, I'm probably grabbing two wide receivers. Why? Because I can get Tyreek Hill on Michael Thomas. And then in the third round, well, if I have to sell for Chris Carson, uh, I'll do that. Yeah. Because the value is just there. Yep. You know? Now, 
what ends up happening is I'm going to probably draft the running back at third and fourth round because you want to stack. You want to stack running yeah. backs at that point. Yeah, basically you're trying to stable up. Yeah. So kind of the 12-team the league, I mean, one of the things they do to help us out is uh, you have to start one running back, one receiver, and I think you have two or three flexes. Okay, and the flexes so, are wide, wide receiver, running back, tight end maybe? Uh, I think I think two wide receiver, running back, one is a, all three. Okay. So, uh, you know, the very first year that I played, or no, second year I think I won it, um, everyone laughed at me because I, I drafted two receivers. Okay. And I drafted six running backs. And yeah. uh, basically – What two like, – do you remember what two receivers you drafted? Uh, it's been a little while, but yeah. I, did, I did have a diamond in the rough that okay. was playing very well. Okay. Um, and then I had uh, Todd Gurley. This is the year the okay. Rams went to the Super Bowl. When he blew up. Yeah. yeah. So I had him, and uh, I forgot the other running back I had. But basically I had enough to just – I was like, all I need is two receivers. And yeah. I just need one receiver to play for a bye, and that's well, it. You can flex out wide receivers. Oh, yeah. Like, here in, like, 2021, wide receivers so just deep. Yeah. It's, it's extremely deep. You could find – Startable wide receivers in the fifth or sixth round. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that twelve man, you know, twelve team league. Yeah, my mentality um, is, uh, you know, you got you got your elite receivers, right? Just five, six, maybe, you know, yeah. that that you have to get. After that, you can find you can. I feel like yeah, there's a drop t- off there's between, a tier drop off, oh, yeah. right? Like, but I feel like that second tier is is so big, you can find mm-hmm. value pretty much anywhere yeah. on the board. Yeah, which is why you end up seeing Travis Kelsey. George Kittle, even Waller at this point being drafted. Okay, Waller's probably like third round, but like Kelsey, I've seen him drafted at the beginning of the second round. Oh, yeah. Kittle in the middle of the second round. Yeah. Like you're not going to see either of them in the third round. That's right. And that's fine. It's funny because like everyone targets running backs, but tight end is the single position scarce position in the entire thing. Like they're oh, they're it's only, only they're only like three guaranteed tight ends. Yep. And everyone after that's kind of a question mark. Now yep. like this year, I like Hawkinson, um, Mark Andrews, the second half of last year, Lamar finally yep. started passing well and it showed an uptick in fantasy value for Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown. Um but after those five it's just kinda like who knows? You're yep. taking you're taking a chance. You know, like Robert Tunyon had a, a million touchdowns last year, but he had 500 yards receiving yeah. and 50 catches. So, like, that's a boom or bust. Yeah. Pretty much the way I look at it, it's like, I'm going to take an L my first week mm-hmm. because, if, especially tight ends, um, probably defenses as well. It's like, well, I don't really know what I'm getting. So, mm-hmm. if I can't get one of those top tier, then that's fine. I missed. That's on me. I'll just grab someone later on. But, like, this past year, I think Tanya was a tight end for the Rams, right? No, Tanya was Green Bay, the okay. Packer, Packers tight end. Who was the tight end for the Rams? I was putting up um, monster Ger- points. Gerald Everett? I think that's him. Either Everett, there was another one. I can't yeah. remember his name. There was some tight end that was just yeah. putting up ridiculous yeah. numbers. I think it was the Rams. Like, I ended up picking him up off the waivers halfway through the season. It's like, yeah, you're going to find those guys. It was his like, last five or six games where he was he just throwing like Two touchdowns up. a game or something yeah, like that. Like, he started up 15 to 20 points a game. Yeah. But, which he might do now with Stafford there. But... For the most part, tight ends are scarce. Oh, yeah. So, like, I don't blame anybody that, that goes after them. The problem is you kind of have to get lucky after that because you're, you're drafting a tight end, but you're basically giving up a top wide receiver mm-hmm. because you're not going to skim them on running back. Like, you're going to draft a running back first, or you should. If you don't, I don't know what you're drafting. But, you know, 
if it's me, I'm drafting a top five running back if I can in the first round. And then you, if you want Kelsey or Kittle, that's second round. Yeah. And if not, you better have like the second, third round turn. Mm-hmm. If you want to get Waller in the third, it probably have to be in the first half. But then, so, okay, so you're spending either second or third on, on a tight end where you should be grabbing a top five wide receiver. And then now you're basically playing catch up because now you need to draft a second running back and a second wide receiver or your first string wide receiver, you know, yeah. in the third round, which, like I said, there's plenty of wide receivers, but they're all kind of within the same tier and they're not. Tyreek yeah. Hill, they're not Adams, you know, like Devontae Adams, uh, Michael Thomas. It's, but I mean, that's the strategy, you know. Yeah. Like I know people who are fine with giving up because, uh, like Hunter, my my co-host, he he thinks that basically you're just looking at the tight end position as another wide receiver position. That's what you'd like, yeah. Yeah, that, that's why Kittle. And, yeah, uh, which look, I had in my dynasty league that I won last year. I had Kelsey, and. When he's good, oh, that's yeah. 20 points a game, which okay. is a lot. I won a championship, so my team was pretty good. I had Russell Wilson, who was actually playing bad the second half of the year, but I still won a championship with him. Mm-hmm. I had, like, no great running backs at all. I think I started Jamal Williams and, like, Daryl Henderson, who were both second string right. to, you know, their counterparts, mm-hmm. Aaron Jones, and um, what's his name on the Rams? Oh, I can't remember. But, I know you're talking about. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I'll, I'll remember it later. I'm bad with names. But um, but then I had Calvin Ridley, Justin Jefferson, Robert Woods, Cole Beasley, and Travis Kelsey. And I had the Steelers defense, and I had um, what, what, Roberto or Robert Blankenship to kick. Oh yeah, yeah. And. I went, I think I went like nine and three or or whatever in regular season. And then I just won every playoff game after that. And that team, it was kind of fun. Like, so when I first had it, I had DeAndre Hopkins and David Johnson. I did not have Robert Woods. I did not have Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. I traded David Johnson and DeAndre Hopkins for Saquon Barker. Okay. He goes down. He's right. hurt. I'm like, well, fuck. I don't have any running backs. He's hurt for the rest of the season. What do I do? So I hit up the man- fantasy manager who has Justin Jefferson. I'm like, I know Justin Jefferson is going to hit. Now, it might not be this year, but he's going to be an excellent wide receiver. So I send him a trade-off. You say, Quan Barkley, give me Justin Jefferson and another running back that you had, which the running back ended up not paying out. But... Did that trade trade up? The guy probably wasn't going to win that year anyway. So he's like, well, I guess I'm setting up for a win next year. Right. Right? And this is dynasty. So long-term is is key to all your decisions. Well, lo and behold, Justin Jefferson gets 1,400 yards and seven touchdowns this year. Mm-hmm. And I have Calvin Ridley, who also has the best season of his career. Probably about to have another really good one. Oh, yeah. With Julio gone? For sure. But Calvin Ridley was top five last year. Mm-hmm. He was, well, I say top five. He was fourth in the standard and sixth in the PPR. So average that out. Yeah. Five. Um, so I had two top five wide receivers. I had Kelsey, number one tight end. Russell Wilson, who, even with his lackluster half of the second half of the year, was probably like a top seven quarterback. 
Steelers defense was legit. Kicker was legit. Yeah. So I won. Um, now I inherited a decent team. I made it better. Um, now in the off season, I went and I traded Kelsey, who's thirty two years old, for Antonio Gibson. Okay. So now there was a pick swap. I, I traded a future first round pick for their second pick, just to kind of sweeten the pot because they didn't want to do a straight up trade. Which Kelsey's thirty two. It's kind of old as far as football terms are concerned. Mm-hmm. He's got a couple of years left. Maybe he'll probably decline. Antonio Gibson, he young, mm-hmm. and his work he could be a top five running back. And I didn't have any running backs, right. so I was like, you know, I don't mind trading off Kelsey. I have Johnny Smith and Zach Ertz. So I'll deal with them. Rolled that for a while. And I was like, well, I'm kind of deep at wide receiver. I still have Justin Jefferson, Calvin Ridley, Robert Woods, Cole Beasley. So I was like, let me see if I can flip Ridley. And now this is before the Julio trade, but I expected, at that point, I expected Julio to be mm-hmm. traded. Let me trade Calvin Ridley. So, I mean, I shopped around for like a month, bro. People just, they didn't value him as I valued him. But none of them really knew that he was a top five wide receiver. Like I don't know what the what the the no, norm. Oh, he's behind Julio, right? He's behind Julio, but like even then, he's a top twenty wide receiver before last year. Absolutely. And then you saw like they gave him a first uh, a wide receiver one workload because Julio was hurt last year, mm-hmm. and he ended up being a top five wide receiver. So the value's obviously there. So I had to like talk to people. I was like, you understand what his value is, right? And then they understood. So one guy hit me up and he's like, all right. So I traded really, I was trying to get into like the top five picks because I, I wanted one of those people in that range for dynasty, which I'll go over that in a second. But so I traded really for the 1.04 in a rookie draft and Henry Ruggs from the Raiders. Okay. I like Ruggs. He's a field stretcher. Yep. And they went and got rid of, um, what's his name? Nelson Aguilar, mm-hmm. who did really well for the Raiders last year. Back to the Eagles, right? No? Um, Jets, I think? Maybe. Or Patri- Patriots. He's at the Patriots. Okay. Um, so, Ruggs is looking to take over that role because he El Aguilar was their field stretcher. Right. So, Ruggs' second year, I think he'll... I'm not going to necessarily say he's going to break out, be like a wide receiver one, but I think he's someone who can get... Solid. Yeah, he's solid. He's a good wide receiver. Oh, yeah. He's going to do good. So I got him in a 1.04 for Ridley, which I'm happy with. So I don't think I'm going to get, um, what's his name? The wide, the, the running back for the Steelers. Not oh. ETN. Um, oh. The one they just drafted or who they had? Najee Harris. Yeah. Okay. Or not Najee Harris is the proper name. Um, He's going to be a bell cow running back. Oh, yeah. The Steelers like running the ball. They like having a strong defense. Ben Arms declining. Um, he's going to get 25 touches a game. Oh, yeah. There's no question. As long as he starts, yeah. he's getting that work. Oh, yeah. So I don't think I'm going to be able to get him. He'll probably get taken in the first three picks. Um, I wouldn't mind Travis Etienne, but I don't really want him because he's going to split a workload with James Robinson. Well, they're working on a receiver too. They're working on so he's he. I think he'll be PPR good. Yeah. But I think I think it's going to be one of those situations where both Robinson and Etienne are valid fantasy options, but not at RB one. They'll probably be RB twos in value mm-hmm. in value, not positional wise. So 
I think there are weeks where you're going to have to pick between one of them if you have yeah. both of them, you know, and you don't want to do that. You want a guy who you don't have to mm-hmm. constantly like worry about. Um, the next guy would be Jamar Chase, right? We all know the, the Burrow connection. I mean, yeah. we're from Louisiana, uh, semi-LSU fans, whatever you want to say, uh, national champions, you know, uh, Jamar Chase is, is a stunningly amazing wide receiver. Yeah. There's no question. And then you just put him on a team with his old college quarterback who he has a rapport with, who he's comfortable with, who knows what he does. Which I think we need to give Joe Burrow credit. Side note on that. Yeah. The, the guy towards ACL last year, everyone's yelling at the Bengals, you need a lineman. And he somehow convinces his whole front office, I don't need a lineman. I'm fine running for my life as long as I can throw it to Jamar Chase. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe it wasn't that simple, but I was surprised to see that the Bengals organization asked him what he wanted. Yeah. They said, what do you want? We believe you're our future franchise quarterback. You're the star. What do you want? What do you think? And he's like, I need Jamar motherfucking Chase. And I don't blame him. He's probably the highest graded wide receiver draft pick coming out of this class. Yeah, I mean, we saw Justin Jefferson go off last season, and yeah. uh, and everyone's already saying Jamar Chase is well better. In college, Jamar Chase was better than Justin Jefferson. Yeah. There's no question. Now, NFL level, I still say you need to show me. Oh, yeah, no. But no. the talent, the pedigree is there. Oh, yeah. And the fun thing about Joe Burrow, he's going to throw 40 times a game, yeah. which means even if he throws to T. Higgins, even if he, he dumps it off to – um, uh, what's his name? I, I, just think I, I like him too. Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon or the other wide receiver. What's the, the third guy? Tyler Ross? John? No, no, no. No. I don't remember. Um, Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd, that's it. Tyler Boyd was a, a PPR relevant wide receiver last year. He's about a wide receiver too. I had him in a couple of leagues. He did well. Um, but the thing is, if your quarterback's throwing 40 times a game, that means all three of those guys, four of those guys, each have 10 targets. Now, mm-hmm. Mixon will probably have five. But the point is, is Jamar Chase can get 10, 12 touchdowns, uh, 10, 12 targets. T. Higgins can still get eight. Tyler Boyd can get eight. Yeah, they'll be spreading the ball around. They're going to spread the ball around. They're going to throw a lot. And that's what you want in fantasy. You oh. want – and the Bengals, the Bengals defense has gotten better, but they're not great, which means they're going to be losing games, which means they're going to be throwing more, yep. which means for PPR, I want Joe Burrow. I want Jamar Chase. I want T. Higgins. I want Tyler Boyd. Maybe not all on one team, but if I could have a piece of that oh, yeah. for the right price, you want it all day. All day. So – um I wouldn't mind Jamar Chase, but the fact of the matter is, even though I traded Calvin Ridley, I still have a pretty stacked wide receiver core. I think Robert Woods would be a great wide receiver. Stafford's going to make a, a change. Oh, yeah. And Cole Beasley's a great flex option. Love Cole Beasley. PPR? Love him. PPR love the monster. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm not spending the fourth pick on a wide receiver. So, it's either running back or my man, Kyle Pitts. Tight end, Atlanta. Oh, yes. Generational talent. Dude from Florida, right? Dude from Florida. Yeah. He, now, the comparisons of his body of work is to kind of, to, to Vernon Davis. But he's not an injury prone like Vernon Davis. And Vernon Davis is a good tight end. He, he can get you a thousand yards. Oh, he had two 13 touchdown seasons. 
after that, they were kind of shoddy. But the point is, is Kyle Pitts is the epitome of a generational talent at the tight end position. I'm going after that motherfucker. <laughs> now, like I said, if I can get Najee Harris, I'll take him over Kyle Pitts because you just don't pass up a bell cow running back. Yeah. And while I do have Antonio Gibson, I went and grabbed Mike Davis. So I'm comfortable at running back now. I will take a generational rookie. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You want a guy to get a feed. Yeah. Yeah. If not, I'm going for a tight end because I want to lock up that position. Yeah. It is what it is. Um, but yeah, I love fantasy football. You know, I uh, did a lot of that. I did fantasy soccer for a season. That's a lot. It's hard, man. I tried. I tried fantasy basketball. It's just too many games during the week. I can't watch. I can't yeah. keep up. I don't even know like half the players. Like, it's just yeah, fantasy soccer. It's uh, what, 30, 38 games a season. Yeah, so like, that's a lot, know, man. A lot yeah, to keep yeah, up with. Yeah. So yeah, that was a uh, that was tough. So yeah, I just I do fantasy football. I watch a lot of soccer though. Yeah. Play a lot of soccer. Yeah. yeah when yeah. I can. Uh, so yeah, I I, uh, I keep up with both sports, even though yeah, which like I run the sports debate page, so like I try to try to keep up the current times, uh, which I haven't this year. But like normally I watch like the NBA playoffs. You know, I'll watch the playoffs of most sports uh, just to get a feel for it. I do like watching UFC on a semi regular basis. Oh yeah, so I like keep up with all that. No, I was, uh, we were actually on our way from Colorado a couple weeks ago on vacation, mm-hmm. and um, we stopped off in Oklahoma for the night on the way home. And uh, I was while I was in Colorado, I played paintball with a bunch of guys from Colorado. Mm-hmm. Great dudes. But uh, we, they were in Oklahoma for a paintball game, coincidentally. So we, we ended up being right by each other. So I went over there and hung out with them one night. We got to watch uh, the Avalanche game mm-hmm. uh, when they were playing the Knights in the series with a whole bunch of Colorado hockey fans. Yeah. Glorious experience. Yeah, yeah. It's fun, man. The camaraderie of sports has always been appealing to me. Um, I don't know. Even when I was younger, I always wanted to play football. But wanting to play football and actually playing football are two different things. Yeah. Um, We'll we'll touch on that in a second. Let's go ahead and take our first break. Okay. And then we'll, we'll come back to that. All right, folks. We're back. Part two. We had a bio break and a little bit of discussion, but we're here. Uh, not necessarily queer, but you know. <laughs> nope. Yeah, only on Sundays. <laughs> I don't know uh, that I've heard that one before. Oh, man. I'm very much a uh, heterosexual male, but you know, I've grabbed an ass or two <laughs> male variety. Yeah, we both played football for four years. Well, yeah. Not a good, good game, good oh, play. What? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where that came out, but like somebody one time was like, No, nah, I'm really feeling this football thing. Let me just go ahead and pat someone on the foot and say good job. So some guys get fired up or You're right, you're right. Yeah, that's right. Nothing there. I was kinda quiet when I played football. Maybe not on the field, like riled at people on the line, but Yeah. I was a. so you were a tackle. Offensive was, left tackle for the most part. Yeah. But senior year they were like you can play whatever side. Yeah, see, I, uh, as big as I am now, I was small in high school. So, yeah. I was like the smallest lineman we had my senior year when I was actually getting senior you guard. Play time. You played guard, huh? Uh, I played guard for a while, and then senior year, they moved me to center. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was a center for my senior year. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of funny because at the time, I was 
one of the smallest guys on offense. I think yeah. the receivers are smaller yeah, than you. Were, you were you were definitely skinny in yeah. high school. Yeah. Not to say you're overly fat. I think you put on a little weight, oh. but oh yeah, uh, you all, everyone does. Just have a kid, you'll gain weight. It's just yeah. like a natural part of life. But that is funny that they started at center. Yeah, I was uh, I was really quick off the ball, but man, some of those guys are just hard to push around. Yeah. Well, I mean, speed gets you a lot, a lot of the way, and you can get by with technique. And if you get underneath them, you can kind yep. of control. But size does make a difference. You know what really helps? Mm-hmm. All-American running back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, me and Trevor both actually. Oh, oh little, little Rob, right? Yep. Man, he he was amazing. And the funny thing is, is so, like, Mamu was, before I played, Mamu was 1A. And then they barely made 2A. Mm-hmm. And then consolidation happened. Where they redistrict the area, the parish. We stayed two A though. Well, what happened was, is we barely made two A, and then we made like halfway to three A. Yeah. So we went from having a smaller school to having a larger school. Mm-hmm. We had more people because we were getting people from Beaverine, some people from Bill Platt, some people from Chicania, mm-hmm. um, which caused some controversy as far as like the graduating class. Yeah, uh, especially for you guys because you are one of the first classes. Yeah. They, it, the 06 class, and maybe was it the 05 class too? I believe because I think it was the 05 years when it happened. It was the first year, which was my sophomore year. So I came to Mamu, I came back to Mamu middle of freshman year. Mm-hmm. I played football for the other school I went to, but I came after football season. So, um, so oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I didn't start playing for Mamu till my sophomore year. I okay. But, I mean, I still played six, <clears throat> year, six years of football between middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. So, um, But 05 is when they did consolidation. That was the year Brittany graduated. Yep. So in her graduating class, they had students who refused to graduate as a mom who student. Correct. Yeah. So they just got their diplomas. And they allowed it to happen because it was such a contentious. Yeah, and it was so new. Yeah, well, you had, you had people who were literally – juniors and then they consolidated and as seniors like they spent their whole life at Chitania or Beedring High and then their last year like they get stuck going to a new school that they didn't want to go to yeah. you know um, which is funny because I mean as a crow flies Mamu High School and Beedring High School maybe seven, yeah. seven maybe six miles apart yeah it's it's a five minute drive yeah. down with, Tiger Lane like, which in a rural community is look, pretty close I could walk to school I could walk the V Dream from my movie yeah and like maybe need a bottle of water and yeah. walk back and still have plenty of time in the day like, oh yeah that's, that's, that's the whole point um but so that kind of bolstered uh Mamu's athletic program on all fronts mm-hmm. um Coach DeSell, Joel DeSell, was a really good coach for us. He was. Um, he had seven out of eight of the seasons he coached there. He made the playoffs. Yeah. I think every one of them was a winning season. Like, we made district champs more than once. We made mm-hmm. it past the first round more than once. Um, amazing coach. And the, the other coaches were good, too. Coach Ron, Coach Jack would help. Um, Coach Roger. 
Coach Roger defense was our defensive, defensive guy. Phenomenal defensive um, coordinator. Yeah. And then, uh, why well, I kept Coach Dave. Yep. And Coach he, Dave. he was the O line coach. Yep. So I dealt with Coach, coach Dave Sess. directly. Coach DeSalle liked me up until your dad swapped me out of his regular uh, course for his honors course. Mm. That took me out of Coach DeSalle's gym class into Coach Dave's gym class. Coach DeSalle did not like that. Interesting. So after that, he was ambiguous towards me, I guess you can say. He kind of liked me, but like I was 6'3", 285 as a sophomore. Yeah. It's kind of hard not to be like, hey, I really yeah. want to play this guy. You should play football. Now, yeah, which there was no question I was playing football. It's whether or not I started, which my sophomore and junior year, I got swapped out a lot with seniors. Because I was just inexperienced, and also there were seniors, so yeah. like they were trying to play favorites. Uh, but with all that being said, great athletic program, great football team through my era. It tapered off for yours. Yeah, I think uh, so. It's my sophomore year was when the cell left, then we got Coach John. Yeah, and uh, it was his first coach job, so he. I think he's just a little inexperienced and yeah. also a little headstrong, which he yeah. still is. But uh, I actually seen recently he's he's coaching again in uh, Texas. It? Yeah. Okay. And uh, I think he's doing much better. So he can go around. Yeah, and what what needs to be mentioned is is my junior year when the football season finished, we probably lost half the football starters. Yeah, it, it kind of got to the point where it's a pretty the, heavy. The seniors. Yeah. I mean, we had like Wiggy and Joe mm-hmm. and uh, Joe, uh, Joe Green. That uh, was the year we went to the semifinals. That's the year we, went, we, we lost to um, St. Helena. St. Helena in the semifinals. Like, it was like 12 to 6. It was a super close game. It was questionable oh, circumstances. I didn't, I didn't even start that game either. Mm. They played someone else. They played a senior. So yeah, there's um, that, and then that was a rough game. Yeah, um, but we lost a good portion of like both our starting 20, offense and defense. Yeah, it was yeah. it was ridiculous. But we had some good players to, to pick up the slack my senior year. And well, that was that was when my class came in, which I mean we didn't contribute much as freshmen <sighs> except for for Rob. Yeah, um, little Rob, you had Kendrick Celestine as quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean Taylor Walden was still good backup also. Yeah, yeah. So because he he started a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Cause I think they play Kendrick in, in other skills positions. They play him a receiver. Yeah, play. but I mean we had Brandon Mark until I were our receiver. He was fast, fuck. Um, Josh Triplett at tight end. You had me holding down the left left tackle position. You had Eric Mouton holding down the right tackle oh, position. I forgot about him. Yeah, yeah. yeah Jordy one. Jordy. Uh, Sawa doing yeah. right guard. Brent Berzal was doing left guard, left guard with me. With and then Sanchez. Sanchez was the center. Yeah. But then on the defensive side, you had Brent Zachary. You had mm-hmm. Bubba Noel, um, Charles Young, who was All-State. I oh, think. yeah. He, he was there for a little bit. Um, had Joey Fontenot. Joey Fontenot. We, we had some oh, yeah. We had some studs oh, um, yeah. on both sides of the ball. And, I mean, we made the playoffs. We made it past the first round. We lost, I think, the second round. Second round. Yeah, because yeah, we played Menard first round. Something like that. And we yeah. beat them. And they were huge. Like, 
I blocked against like a six foot eight dude that was probably like four hundred pounds, and I was beating him on it too. That's the funny part. I blocked for two touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, thanks to Little Rob. But we had a, we had kind of a trust, you know. Kendrick was a, a hell of an athlete. There's no mm-hmm. question about it. Uh, oh, we had Sam. Yeah, Sam. Sam, Sam Pedro. Pedro. He was a quarterback also. Yep. Um, but. Uh, that game, that game was fun. I told Little Rob too, because at that point, uh, Mouton, Eric Mouton, had an ankle injury or something like that. So they put me, they put me at um, at right tackle, because I normally play left. So they put me at right tackle, which is considered strong side. Left side is considered your fast side, yeah, yeah. quick. Um, and me and Eric, I think Eric was a little bit faster off the ball than me. But I can catch up with them and, and stay with them. So mm-hmm. I had endurance more than anything else. Because at that point, I mean, I was muscular as shit, but I was weighing like 260, where Mouton was like 320. Yeah, he was a big boy. So, but I was strong and fast. Um, and so they had me at right side. They had uh, Devin, Big Dev, oh, at left tackle. Yeah. yeah. And I think he ended up going to Oakdale yes. after that. But, um, that was a character, man. Oh, he was fun, though. He's a cool dude. I think I, I, I made friends with him on Facebook again recently. I found him. So you see what had happened was. <laughs> yeah. He was famous for saying that. Yeah. Man. So, uh, but yeah, that game, I told little, little Rob, I was like, look, bro, I got this guy beat. I'm going to make an inside hole for you. Find it. And he did. Twice. Two touchdowns. Oh, yeah. I was happy for him and myself. You know, it's, it's what you want to do. Yeah, he's he's a special player. Always fun to watch. God, he's such an athlete. It was it was ridiculous. Now, like Charles signed with Texas A and M. Kendrick signed with uh, University Oklahoma. No, it's University of Colorado. Okay, Colorado. That's yeah. what it was. Colorado. I think Sam had signed with like Louisiana College. I think he went to his niece on a track scholarship. Did he? Yeah. Yeah, he was really high in uh, track and field. Though. Yeah, he was really yeah through the javelin with yeah. Him. Oh, yeah. He threw it significantly further than oh, me. Oh, I believe you. Yeah. I believe you. Like triple the distance. You ever seen him throw a softball? Like when we play alumni tournament? It's ridiculous. I'm yeah. just like, bro. No, it's definitely some very athletic guys that uh, pass through. I made, I made like honorable mention all state, but I was all sent law left tackle. So. I didn't quite have that many accolades. I mean, mine was cool. I was the best left tackle in Central Louisiana, which I guess is saying something. But yeah. I wanted that all state. And looking back on it, I probably could have been better. I got I got academic all state. Uh, That's fine. Anything. That's <laughs> fine, man. So uh, football was a blast, man. I had, I mean, senior year was my best year. I hit the weights hard. I put on like thirty pounds of muscle. I cut my forty time down to five seconds flat as a lineman. Um, yeah, and I was just destroying people my entire senior year. It was fun. Yeah, no, it's a, I had a I had a lot of anger issues at that point in my life. Yeah. So, uh, well, football is where where I released it, man. Yep, like, that was and a look, big I was, release for me. I was a wild person. Like, I would growl at people on the line, and it wasn't to intimidate them. It was just to get me pumped up, like amped up, you know. Yep. Um, I think it was like first play of the first game. I pancaked a dude, just straight up, just laid him out. And Coach Estelle just looked at me. Now, here's a fun story. So, you know how I think my senior year we went to the little clinic in Beatering okay. oh, to yeah. get our balls felt, you mm-hmm. know, to get physicals. And um, 
I, I guess nobody had really saw me all summer. That's when I put on 30 pounds of muscle. So, like, Coach Lasalle and Coach Dave pulled me to the side. Like, Trevor, are you on juice? Now, for you listeners who don't know what the juice is, they're talking about steroids. I'm like, no, I was 100% clean. I didn't take anything. Mm-hmm. I just worked out. I just, I, I got a gym membership because I was working at Young Supermarket, and I could afford it. I paid a $40 a month gym membership at Planet Fitness, or not Planet Fitness, whatever it was called. Cajun Fitness Cajun or something, Fitness like, that. Or something like, like that. Right down the street from Young's. And I would work out for three hours every other day. And I put on like 30 pounds of muscle. And I was just big and swole. And, and they're like, bro, you need to tell us, you know, because you're going to get drug tested. Like, I was like, look, I'm clean. I got drug tested like five times that year. <laughs> I got random like five times. Like, I just laugh after a while. <laughs> I'm almost positive. So, so for everyone that doesn't know, my dad uh, is, was, was a teacher at the high school that me uh-huh. and Trevor attended. He actually taught me for three years in high school. Yeah. But anyways, I got random a couple of times, and I'm almost positive that my dad was part of me being random. I 100% agree with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So. Just like I'm pretty sure like the coach was like, we're going to just drug test yeah, the shit yeah, out of Trevor. Yeah. I want to do drugs. I didn't take any kind of performance enhancing anything. And I was just rocking it, man. You know, and they loved it, obviously. I started yeah. every game. I was, I was pretty good, I guess you can say. So if you're listening, Dad, I, I'm on to you. I know, I know, it's, <laughs> I know what you're at. Yeah, I know you're trying yeah. to get me random. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, man, high school football was fun. Yeah, it was. It's a it's kind of a special sport, right? Because you can play softball or basketball or something like that, soccer, after you leave high school. It's obviously not going to be the same. It's not as competitive, but you can still play it. Yeah. Football is one of those sports. It, mm-hmm. it, it's very tough to play outside good, of high school. Good luck. And at best, it's like flag. Right. It's and the like same football. intensity that you yeah. played in high school. Yeah. You're not going to play full contact. Look, man, I don't, I don't necessarily like hurting people, but there's something about the physical act of hitting someone with pads on. Just, oh, absolutely. Like you said, it's a good anger deterrent. Um, it's a good aggression deterrent. Uh, get it all out on the field, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was a huge – I mean, anybody off the football field would see me. And, like, I had the coaches tell me. I had referees tell me. I had, like, everyone, like, Trevor, if you didn't play football, I would have never expected that you did play football or that you were good at it because I was very quiet in high school. Like, mm-hmm. I won't say quiet because, I mean, I get excited about stuff, but, like, I was very to myself. Mm-hmm. I'd sleep most of the time. Like, I never got in trouble. I never anything. I'd just kind of chill. And then I'd play football, and I'd go kind of wild. <laughs> and the coaches would be like, where is this coming from, you know? Yeah, that's a I good think- thing. Yeah, I think we had, like, an athletic banquet, and, like, they called me up for my award, and, and Coach Cell was like, yeah, this guy's, like, he essentially said I was weird, and then he was like, I would have never expected him to be this good, and I don't know if he just didn't know what to say, you know? Like, it was one of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, I just, he's like, you would have never guessed that he would have been good at football, and I was like, you just summed up my football career at Mamu High, like, you know? Cause it was just that you know cause I was definitely weird in high school. Like I don't, I don't have any. I'm a I'm a I'm a weird, crazy individual. Yeah, I mean you're talking so, to someone yeah, yeah, yeah. preaching to the choir. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know, I was kind of in my own head in high school, so I'm not surprised they thought about that. But it's just it was hilarious to watch them like not be able to say anything. It's can like, what can you, you say? You know? Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because like I individually. Won like two weekly MVP awards, 
during that season, mm-hmm. and then another two with the O line as a whole. So it's just like obviously I was good, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I wasn't quite that good. I, I love playing sports. I love competing, but Look, I'm not man, great at I, any of it. It. Uh, I was blessed with a large frame. <laughs> uh, it's all I can say. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. athletic ability. There's some inherent natural ability there. Oh, I, yeah. I could admit to that because, like, I could play almost any sport and be competent, like, right away. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not I'm a master at it, that's different. Right. And, like, looking back at it, I could have been better at football. I know I could have been better, which is saying something because I was good. Yeah. I could have been a lot better. You know, I kind of think about that sometimes, too. It's like uh, I went to football practice every day. You mm-hmm. know, we, we practiced Monday through Thursday, uh, went, you know, had games on Friday. Uh, during the summer, they tried to do two-a-days. Yeah. Turnout was abysmal because we weren't very committed. It was like, man, when I play high school football, like I'd go home for football practice. Uh, I would play Halo for a little while. Yeah. Um, usually go to McDonald's or Taco Bell, eat something like that. Yeah. Uh, I probably could have done a little bit more to I further did, my well, athletic I, endeavors. I did a lot of World of Warcraft yeah, in high yeah. school. But I will say this. So senior year, after all that working out, I'd go through three-hour practices and I still have so much energy. And, like, the coaches would, would – I don't know if they get necessarily aggravated, but, like, I want to say I was going full speed, but I was definitely not going half speed. Mm-hmm. So, like, Trevor, you better play better than this in the games because, like – but I'm trying to get to the level of, intense, of intensity I need to mm-hmm. become better through practice. You know what I'm saying? You know, because at that point, like, practices weren't intense enough. And I needed, cause like I didn't have time to go work out like I used to. So I needed to get not only the physical side of it, but I needed to get the feel for the game plan and the intensity right. for the game plan. And when you're doing walkthroughs and shit like that, it doesn't really match it. So after practice, I'd go and I'd run hundred yards <laughs> across the field while the coaches were in the office. Everybody would leave, you know, a couple people stayed behind, like, um, Michael Bushnell, he stayed behind and a couple of the freshmen cause they wanted to get better. And I was like, I mean, look, man, I put in the time and effort to get this body. Like, yeah, I'm tall, I'm big, like, I'm blessed with those things. I was like, but I put in a lot of effort to get to this point, to be this muscular, to be fast. Like, you have to work at it. It's not something, like, you can't just go home, like, go to practice and go home and think that that's enough. Because it's really not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I You know, um, so, and the funny thing is, I did all that, and here I am, you know, wearing... 2021, I graduated in 07, so 14 years later, and I'm sitting here going, I could have been better. I could have done more. Yeah, yeah. That's the funny thing. I don't that aspect. Yeah, which it is what it is. Yeah. Um, but it's funny you talk about practice, you know, when after after you graduated, after Coach Russell left, we had Coach John, and uh, he was a big proponent of the uh, the spread, spread offense. Mm-hmm. He played a lot of spread. Uh, which at the time I, I never understood. You know, it's like, hey, we have this phenomenal running back. Like, why, why are we spreading the field? Yeah. Why are we not putting blockers in front of this dude and letting yeah. him turn? Yeah, you should be running ten ways till Sunday. Yeah. You got an all-American running back. Like, well, what we, you we did for the most part. We just did it on the spread. Yeah, yeah. But um, I was a center, and for some reason, man, in practice, I couldn't snap the ball to save my life uh-huh. out of the shotgun. Terrible. And I mean, Coach John would make me stay after practice. I would, I would do extra snaps. Couldn't get it. Yeah. I could never get it. But, man, we'd go in the game, and he was like, dude, I don't understand you. Your snaps are perfect every time in the game. He's like, but in practice, 
You're the worst singer I've ever seen. And I just couldn't maybe, get it done. Ma- yeah, maybe it was just the intensity of the game, man. It, I can say, I can truly say this about anything I do. When something I do is competitive, I'm automatically better. Oh, yeah, yeah. You get I don't that even know why. It, it's just something about it. It's the edge. I'm a competitive person. There's no oh, question yeah. about it. Now, like, I'm not toxically competitive. Like, if I lose, I'm not going to throw a tantrum. Like, good job. But, I mean, I'm a sportsman. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. congratulations. You were better. That's fine. But I'm still trying to win every single fucking time. Like, oh, yeah. like I started playing cornhole with one of my buddies. And, like, once I get a few beers in deep, I start getting better. And I hit my first, like, three-bagger in a row. And I was all kinds of excited. And it was to win, too. Yeah. So, you know, no. um, I don't know what it is about competition, but my, my, my game just elevates in everything I do. Football was the same way. Right. It was, you know, I was constantly seeking someone to just kind of match my intensity, at least my senior year. Mm-hmm. And the problem, the problem with like my sophomore year and my junior year is I wasn't confident in myself. And that led to me not being as good as I could have been. Mm-hmm. Whereas my senior year, I was so confident and I knew the playbook back and forth. So whenever a play was called, I didn't even think about it. Yeah, I just, just knew. Muscle memory was already mm-hmm. there. And that helped elevate my game so much more. Yeah, it's one of those things you have to come to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, like I said, uh, I was telling you earlier, I play competitive paintball right yeah. now. I'm not very low in the rankings, the bottom yeah. ranking, actually. But but anyway, you know, we go play these tournaments, right? And uh, it's one thing for me to practice and play and have fun. I, I love playing paintball. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it greatly. But uh, it's, it's when you get into that tournament setting, when, when you're competing against people that you don't know or that, that they're not on your team, mm-hmm. that, that extra focus and edge that, that you get from knowing that you're putting something on the line, mm-hmm. it, it changes my game completely. Yeah. You know, yeah. in practice and stuff, I'm joking around, I'm making stupid mistakes, but, you know, when I'm in a game situation, it's like, okay, it, it, that razor edge focus, you, mm-hmm. you're, you're just more zeroed in on, dialed in on what you're trying to do, and, and it's noticeable, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. yeah, it makes a big, big difference. Used to, I used to love it, man. I remember senior year, who was it we played against? It might have been Bill Platt High. And if anybody knows the area, like, Mamu and Bill Platt High are rivals. Yeah, pretty big rivalry. Um, and I say this because out of all the years we played against Bill Platt, I got hit in the nuts at least twice <laughs> blocking as a lineman. Like, they were dirty as fuck sometimes. And this isn't in, like, a pile going after a fumble yeah, football. Yeah, this is, like, open field. I'm blocking them, and then they fucking nut-tap me. And it would just piss me off. Like, it would hurt, but then I'd get mad. But senior year, we played them. And for whatever reason, I just dominated every single person they put in front of me. And the funny thing is, is they swapped out four different people to try to get past me, and they couldn't do it. Four people. Yeah, that's awesome. And I just laughed. I was like, y'all ain't got nobody that can stop me. <laughs> so I'm yeah. going to fuck you up. Yeah, you know? Good feeling, man. Um, it's, it was a crazy realization. And then in the playoffs when we played Menard, their head coach came up to me. And he was like, you're amazing, dude. Like, you did an amazing job. And the thing was, is, like, I was head up on a six foot eight defensive guy. Mm-hmm. And I was blowing him out the water. And I mean, like I said, I was 260, 265 maybe. He was at least 320, 330. 
like three inches on me, and I'd get under him, and I would just fucking move his ass. Yeah, when you're a lot, when you're offensive lineman, you're quick. Yeah, quick. You can make up for some weight there. And here's and here's the thing about the offensive lineman position. Your main goal is to get up underneath the defensive guy. Why? You get underneath his shoulder pads and you push him up into his neck and you control where he goes and you don't have to grab him. Like here's the rule: don't use your thumb. Can't use. Can't hold. Use your palm. That way, if they break away, you're not holding nothing. No flag will be called. But you get up underneath that those shoulder pads and you fucking shove it into their neck and you drive, yep. they're going. And the thing is, is I've always been taller than everybody else. So for me to get underneath someone's shoulder pads, I literally have to go like duck to get underneath. So when I went against someone who was taller than me, <laughs> I didn't have to do that anymore. Yeah. And it felt more natural. And it was easier to just get up underneath those shoulder pads and just drive. And I, I was strong. I mean, my legs were strong. I mean, I was strong in general, but I was squatting probably like 500 pounds. I was leg pressing over a thousand. Like, yeah, I never had a ton of upper body strength, but, uh, you know, you guys can't see me, but I've done a lot of hiking and backpacking in my life. So I got, I got these, these tree trunk thighs. Here. Yep. Same so here, man. Definitely. I'll never lose these lineman thighs on ass, bro. No. It's, it's for days. Um, well, my poor son has no chance. He's uh, mm-hmm. a little over a year old now, and he, he has the thighs. Yeah. I inherited my ass from the women in my family, surprisingly. <laughs> but uh, it served me well in football. Um, the tree trunk legs. My legs are pretty strong now, but, like, the table that I, I cut metal on for my job is probably three or four foot high. Mm-hmm. So I have to step onto that, and it's a bunch of slats that run across that are about four or five inches apart. Okay. And but I have to bend down, cut stuff, pick stuff up, and I'm using my legs the entire time. So like, even now my legs are pretty strong. I don't think I could quite squat 500 pounds anymore. But yeah, I can't because I have a bunch of knee problems right oh, here. But uh, yeah, I actually just finished. I guess about three or four months ago, I finished a solid eight month regiment of yeah. PT. I uh, basically your kneecap sits in a uh, groove, right? Yeah, and. Uh, I had an old knee injury from soccer or something like that, mm-hmm. and I never, it didn't heal right or something. So you have this band on the outside of your thigh mm-hmm. called the IT band. Um, so that guy, apparently, in layman's terms, it got really tight. Yeah. It getting really tight causes my kneecap to shift over, gotcha. so it's no longer in that groove. Yeah. So uh, when I was doing squats or when I was bending over for work or so, I was working on a roof when it really started bothering me, it pops out of that groove and it would pop. Yeah. And uh, I thought I tore my ACL. I was very terrified. That's very scary, man. Yeah. It's very so, uh, scary. But I went to PT, found it took me two different places. But once I found a really good place, I stuck with it. We didn't have to do mm-hmm. surgery or anything like that. But That's good. You just need to rehab it to where it yep. needs to be. Right? And I just got to be mindful. Like a, yeah. You know, I keep coming back to paintball. Imagine just wind sprints and mm-hmm. then squats. That's yeah. basically the, what paintball yeah. consists of. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I just have to be a little more mindful of uh, how I squat. How you place place stuff. Yeah. Um, I got really lucky as far as my knees are concerned. They don't give me problems. I never had injury issues overall. When I was uh, not at Mamu, but before that, I was at a private school called Bowling Green, Bogalusa, Louisiana. Well, Franklin, Louisiana. I lived okay. in Bogalusa. And uh, it's a little private 
private school, I mean, they were barely 1A, you know. And I was playing basketball in the offseason, and my right ankle, I sprained one way. I walked it off, started playing again. I sprained it the other way. And at the time, uh, family was pretty poor. We didn't have a whole lot of money. I didn't want to go to the hospital. I just kind of walked around on it. Mm-hmm. Well, come lunchtime, my ankle's swollen two, three times the size it should be. And I'm hobbling. And my sister's like, you need to call mom and dad. And I'm like, fuck. All right. So I, we, we lucked out. There was a charity hospital in the area. So for free. Went, got us all about micro fractures in my ankle. Not terrible. They weren't terrible. But enough to where I had an ace bandage for like two months and I was mm-hmm. on purchase. Did all that. Everything's fine. Okay. No PT, nothing like that. It's just, all right, you're cleared. You can play. So I start practicing. Everything's fine. My, my foot works. But if you look at it, whenever I stand straight, you see how it's cocked to the, to mm-hmm. the right? It's not even anymore. It'll never be even again. It okay. just heals up kind of wrong, but not enough to matter. You know, it's the only injury I ever had. I never broke a bone. Other than that, technically, I guess you can say micro fractures in the bone. I guess avoided bone breaks. Like I said, I've had the knee issue. Um, throwing back to another little high school story. Yeah. I was in college at the time, but I had a really good friend, Caleb. You know, Caleb. Yeah, Caleb man. So yeah, we used to go play basketball at his house. Um, yeah. And my friend Sam Terry, he's he's yeah. actually teaching at Mamu now. Um, yeah. He, I think he coaches the uh, powerlifting team. There. Yep, yes he does. So anyway, we're playing we're playing basketball, a little pickup game of basketball, and I, I go to grab a rebound, and um, you know I, I grab the ball with two hands, and I'm trying to bring it like towards my side to mm-hmm. to, to pass it or dribble it away or whatever. Sam tries to swat the ball out my hand, and man, he hits my thumb, and like it feels weird. Not my thumb, my pinky. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, doing this, you know, yeah. kind of shaking my hand, trying to shake it off. When I look at my finger, man, and it, it literally looked like, a, so your pinky has two joints, right? Yeah. Three joints, if you count, yeah. where it meets your hand. Mm-hmm. It, it looked like they had taken this, the, the middle joint, taken it down and pushed it back. Oh. And uh, I'm like, I'm like looking at it, and I'm like, that's not right. It's not supposed to be that way. Like, holy shit. Yeah. And uh, Sam is like, oh, my God, dude, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, it's cool. He's like, what do we do? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I think it's broken, you know. Like, yeah. We're all freaking out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's like, uh, I'm gonna take you to the hospital. So for for everyone listening that doesn't know, the town we grew up in, very small town, one red light, and uh, my buddy Caleb's house, and we're playing basketball at it's it's on the main street. Yep. So uh, my friend Sam gets me in his truck, and he's like, "We're getting you to the hospital," and I'm like, "Sam, it's, it's not that serious, man. We could just drive there." So I really think Sam just just wanted to do this for a mm-hmm. long time. He throws the emergency blinkers on. His dad had like this, this old, like this uh, early 2000s four-door Dodge, right? Yeah. He throws the emergency blinkers on and floors it down the main street of this town. Yeah. And next to this single red light, there's like 10 bars, it feels like, right? They're, they're all open. There's people. at least five or six. Yeah, people are sure. constantly walk around. So we fly to downtown. He takes me to the hospital. I call my mom, let her know what's going on. Um, so you she know, probably freaked out. Yeah, well, so she's like, I'm gonna come meet you, and Sam's freaking out. I'm like, dude, it's fine, it's cool. So we go in there, and uh, turns out it was just a ridiculously bad sprain, like almost yeah. dislocated. But the doctor's like, 
you know, he, he pulls it out. He, uh, he puts a little splint on it. Yeah. And he's basically like, this yeah. is all I can do. Yeah. And he's like, just, you know, be careful with it. And I was like, okay. So we go back to Caleb's house. Yeah. Start playing basketball yeah. Games. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's probably the worst. I have a picture of that thing floating around on Facebook somewhere mm-hmm. or something, but man, I, I still, I still kind of give Sam a hard time. Yeah. When I see him, hey man, you remember the time you tried to rip my finger off? Yeah. I, uh, that's hilarious, man. I, uh, I got lucky. I never had major injuries. I had the ankle, and then senior year, who was it we played? Was it Bunky? We lost two games our senior year. Well, except for the playoffs, but like two games in the regular season. We lost our homecoming to a 4A school, and we lost to Bunky. And in that game, Sam was the quarterback. Different Sam for those listening. Yeah, different Sam. Sam B. Green, he's a – okay, so Sam Terry is – a short but buff black dude with an awesome beard. And Samuel Vedrine is a tall and lanky. skinny, lanky white dude who's muscular. Oh, yeah. But they're very different <laughs> in many ways. Polar opposites. Polar opposites as far as, you know, body is concerned. Well, it was late in the game, and, and Sam Vedrine threw an interception. And the guy who caught it decided he was going to run on my side of the field. I ain't letting him get past that's, that's me. That's a lineman. That's your moment of glory. Yeah, that's my moment of glory. I'm like, I'm busting the fuck out of this dude, and hopefully he fumbles the ball, which he didn't. But I did, right? He started running, and uh, if anyone's ever done up-downs in football, you kind of jog in place, and mm-hmm. then you fall to the ground. So I basically jogged in place just to get my bearings right. And as soon as I knew I had to hang on, I fucking smoked the shit out of him with my right shoulder. And I could not feel my right arm for the rest of the game. Yeah, I had, and, I had issues with my shoulder, majority of my senior year. And I told the coaches, I was like, look, I can't feel my right arm right now, but y'all aren't taking me out of the game. Then I finished the game. I, I was getting into a three-point stance with my right, my right arm down. Couldn't feel a thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, after the game, I was like, I need some ice. And uh, this coach said, I was like, why do you need some ice? I was like, remember when I told you I can't feel my fucking shoulder? Yeah, I can't feel my arm. <laughs> like, and the funny thing was, is um, one of the, the butcher I worked with at Young's, his name's Ray. I don't know if you know Ray. I think oh. Ray Manuel or whatever. Uh-huh. Little Asian dude, but just bodybuilder. Dude's got muscles he's like five foot four but he's got muscles bigger than my head yeah well he's five foot four tall and he's also five foot four wide for yeah all the muscles yeah, he's just yeah. huge big dude and a great guy, when, great guy. Uh, he's cool he's a good guy um and when i worked with him we talk about it and he's like man i was at that game he's like i was at the concession stand across the field and i heard you hit that dude <laughs> i was like i smoked the fuck out of him i was hoping he fumbled the ball you know um but i think that was like the only time in play where I hurt myself, but it wasn't drastic. Like, I didn't go to the doctor. Uh, yeah, after yeah. a while, it was fine. It took maybe a day for the soreness to go away. Um, it should hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, I, I had, I think we were in, like, a dry practice, like, no pads or anything. Like, you know, buddy. Yeah, kind of like walkthroughs on yeah. Thursday. And uh, I, I tweaked my shoulder a little bit, and it, it always gave me issues after that. If I mm-hmm. hit someone the wrong way or something. And um, we had a guy that quit the team who, who was the center. 
Yeah. So we're running drills, and I tell the line coach we had at the time, say, hey, man, I, I think I'm going to tweak my – I think I tweaked my shoulder a little bit, so I'm going to switch sides tackle with the other shoulder or something like that. And he goes, oh, man, we, we can't have our, our starting center for the shoulder hurt. Like, just sit out. I said, excuse me? He's like, what? And I said, starting center? And he's like, yeah, yeah you're, you're starting at center this weekend. You know, I was like, what? You know, so yeah, that fuck was, that. Yeah. I'm playing. Yeah, yeah, no, no. That's one of those things. Like, center probably wouldn't be my first choice, but hey, man, playing time is playing yeah. time. I don't want okay. to play. So here's a funny thing. Joe DeSalle had me practice that center freshman year mm-hmm. to see to try me out, but once I put pads on, I just couldn't do it. But the pads they had, like, they didn't fit me well with the helmet. Yeah. Like my helmet would always butt up against my shoulder pads. I can never get comfortable. One of the things about playing football at a small school with a smaller budget is, uh, well, you're reusing a lot of yeah, stuff, and after, it's hard to get past it. Well. When we made the semifinals, my my junior year, they ordered a bunch of new equipment, mm-hmm. but we had like booster support and yeah, everything. New jerseys, I think, came not yeah, too long. Yeah, we after had new that. jerseys. Um, we would wear. Uh, I can't, I can't remember what they were called. It was basically some shorts with pads in them. Oh, the girdles. The girdles. Yep. We'd wear those underneath our football yep. pants. I remember well, they bought those. Uh, that was they bought the starters. They bought some new ones, and these had built-in pads, and they weren't bulky mm-hmm. and, like, styrofoam thick. Like yeah, it was like the foam. They were, oh, they, they would contour to your body. Mm-hmm. They were so comfortable. Yeah. I got, yeah, I got a pair of those. Use and, those a lot in paintball nowadays. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, so we got all that equipment, and um, what they did was they ordered me a special size helmet senior year. I had the biggest helmet on the team because of my <laughs> big fucking head, <laughs> and that helped out. Now, it was heavy as fuck. I had that helmet at my house, by the way. It uh, it got lost in translation. People don't, don't tell Mamu high about it. I don't want to have to pay for it. I still have the the marks on it from hitting people with my head, which is something I shouldn't have done, but had no issue with doing in high school. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of things we yeah. did. I, I don't think I had any con- concussions, but probably have a little bit of brain damage from that. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I had a uh, I had to get a brain scan recently. Oh, really? Oh, um, yeah. Because um, you know, my, my mother passed away from an aneurysm two years ago. Yeah. September twenty no twenty nineteen. Right before 2020, the worst year for most people, I had a pretty terrible 2019. Yeah. Anyways, my mom passed away from an aneurysm, and um, her mother had passed away from a stroke. Yeah. So there were some potential things to be concerned about, so we talked to my doctor about it. So yeah. Long story short, he, he schedules an MRI. So I got an MRI done on my head recently. Gotcha. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I recently watched a Netflix documentary on Aaron Hernandez, and I saw what oh, his brain looks like. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm like... I wonder what mine is going to look like in comparison. So I can I can let everyone know my brain does not seem to have suffered any extreme damage. Good. It said everything looked great, yeah. everything looked normal, and I also don't have any indicators that that would be typical to be concerned about an injury. Yeah, so yeah. it's also also a benefit, I guess. That well, yeah, I don't want you dropping dead <laughs> from a, a clot. Yeah, yeah, that would be terrible. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, I loved your mom. It was unfortunate that she passed. It's also unfortunate my grandma happened to pass within like a week. Um, another another mentor figure in my life passed away about a yeah, week before old, that. Old stubborn Ethel there, man. Yeah. I love her to death, but she was uh, 
a firecracker, I guess, is the best way to say it. She oh, was yeah. the epitome of uh, the feminist movement of the 40s and 50s, I guess you can say. Okay. See, I, I didn't, like, you know, I knew her, but yeah. I didn't really know her that well. Yeah, she was... I sure she, she was she was, she was very... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was very strong-willed. She was a strong-willed woman. She owned a, a, a shoe store in Mamu. Okay. For twenty years, she had she got the key to the city one year oh, wow. for some okay. of the stuff she did. Yeah, um, both my grandparents on that side were heavily involved in, in Mamu. Well, yeah, that's where uh, the lair came from. We rented that yeah, from from my grandpa specifically, yeah. Bernard. Which that was where the shoe store used to be. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, now it was a little bit bigger. Um, no, no, actually, yeah, I believe he owned the store next door as well, right? He the did. Shop? I, 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 the the where the lair was at was the shoe store. Now, he bought where the pawn shop used to be. I don't think it's a pawn shop anymore. No, I think so it's not a bar now. Yeah, they bought that later on, and then they actually, they're the ones who, who split it in half. Okay. They put up, they put up a, because it used to be a dollar store back in the day. Okay. When oh, I, was, I do remember that. Yeah. When I was like uh, five, it was like a family dollar. My nanny like worked that. there. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they put they they put up a brick wall and uh like split it in half. They split it in half. It was big. It was yeah, because at one point there was a clothing store and a boxing gym yep. in the back. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um but I mean she was a successful businesswoman. And she had very strong ideas of what women could do and she had no problem with telling you what they should do. Okay. So uh I loved her for it. It it caused some conflict, but it's fine. Yeah. You know. Uh, but she lived a long and healthy life, you know. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so I mean, you know, it, it hurt, but it wasn't too bad. Uh, it's rougher, I think, in your your case. You know, you lost your mom, and you weren't expecting it. She was relatively young. Yeah, she was in her early fifties, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So, but I feel you, man. I lost my sister when I was, I don't know, I was twenty. You were college age. Yeah, I was working at Chili's. I was probably in my early twenties. So I think she was twenty. She was twenty-five, maybe. Yep. So I must have been twenty-three. That was rough, though. It was. It was very rough. So, I remember that. Yeah, it still hits me every once in a while, man. And it was hard. I, I uh, last year I brought my kids to her her gravestone okay. in Mamu and explained and like that was. I'm not an hourly emotional person. Uh, I'm not emotional, but not outwardly emotional, but I got outwardly emotional. I didn't necessarily cry, but I was on the verge of it. Mm-hmm. It is hard, man. How do you explain to your little kids, like, I had a sister, yeah. she died, yeah. you know, and then the whole time it's just like, you know, because you lose somebody and it, I mean, I, I'm more than 10 years removed that it still hits me sometimes, yeah. you know? No, the real only thing you can do is kind of try to live for them. Going. Yeah, you keep going. Uh, you know, I, I told my kids about her when they get a little bit older. I'll let them know more. You know, I'll show them some pictures and stuff. Mm-hmm. My sister was a crazy person, but she was awesome. Oh, you know, she very loved. She loved everybody. She's a good person. So, uh, it's rough, but life goes on. Yep. You know, just gotta keep going. Yeah, just gotta keep going. So, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, man, that was a. Uh, Growing up in a small town, kind of knew everybody. Yeah, there's pros and cons to it. Um, oh, that there are. I uh, 
in some ways you could say I was lucky. I, I've experienced large town. Yeah, you you kind of bounced around a lot. I, I went to Mamu for I went to Montana for like six or seven months when I was in the fifth grade. Mm-hmm. I spent like three and a half years in New Jersey. It was really eye opening. You know, um, I I like Mamu. People are close. They tell you hi. The flip side of that is everyone knows your business. Everyone has opinions, and they will let you know what their opinions are. Oh yes, and there's usually one kind of thinking overall. Yeah. And if you don't fall into that, you're not the norm. And mm-hmm. so you get everything that it, that it entails. Whereas in New Jersey, people were so different, but they all got along. Mm-hmm. Now, like the bigger cities in New Jersey, they're all assholes for right. the most part. I don't know why, but... The schools I went to, I mean, everybody was pretty much cool. I mean, you had your typical school issues, but for whatever reason, like, the jocks could get along with the goths, and nobody gave a shit. Yeah. Whereas Mamu, when I went back, it wasn't necessarily the case, because people usually got along, but I felt like the... the Everyone gen- got along, but there were definitely, like, cliques. Yeah. I think the general outlook was still kind of a small-town mentality. Yeah, and it was interesting because uh, we lived about 10 minutes outside of Amu, so I lived in the yeah. country area yeah. of the country town. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of my friends were like, oh, we ride our bikes here, we go visit there, and it's like, yeah. Oh, I mean, before before I left Mamu the first time, it wasn't nothing to go ride your bike around town, mm-hmm. especially when I was older. You know, uh, they say, like, latchkey kids or whatever, where, like, Basically, like, just be home before the, the lights come on on right. the streets. Even though we didn't have lights in my movie, the, the idea was is be home before it gets dark or right. whatever. Let your parents know where you're going. So, like, it wasn't nothing. I'd go to uh, no Popeye subdivision, which you know what I'm talking about. Listeners, you want to know either way. You, your mom used to have a house in the Popeye subdivision, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And then they had um, where... They had, like, the other little government section near where the tennis court was at. Yep. I had some friends over there, too. I'd ride my bike there. I was nine years old. I'd ride my bike, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to go hang out. But it's not something you were going to do in bigger cities. And yeah. even now, I don't even, like, I'm a parent now. So, like, the question is, is would I even let my kids do it? I did it. It was just a different time, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a challenge. Like, you know, I have a one-year-old and another baby coming and, Two months, three yeah. months, something like that. So it's, it's definitely something I consider a lot. Like, you know, I was looking back. I, I really wish I could provide the same childhood that I had to my kids. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's how we're going to adapt. It's not the same. It, yeah. And I want to. Um, I don't know, man. My kids have their heads stuck in a tablet half the time. But I don't mind. My kids learn some crazy things from the tablet. My son is really good at addition for his age. You know, we, uh, we recently took a road trip to Colorado. We, uh, we do a lot of road trips. We love going to national parks. I try oh, to yeah. take a lot of nature photography and astrophotography and stuff like that. Uh, this is the first big trip we took with my son, Kale. Yeah. And uh, 20, 20 hours, I think, one way in a car. Ooh. And he handled it like a champ. Really? Really? And when we uh, we got up there, probably one of the proudest moments, we, we were in this Airbnb right in the middle, middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the Airbnb that I love to have where... I get within 20 miles of it and my cell like cuts out yeah. like no service yeah. 
Uh, we were in the middle of like two rushing streams in a beautiful spot. And I was like, all right, Kale, we got to put you inside, man, so we can get ready because mm-hmm. we're going to go out. We're going to drive to the park or whatever. And when I put him inside the cabin from outside, he lost it. All he wanted to do was be outside. And I was like, all yeah. right, dude, you this keep is, that up. Yeah, this is a, this is an acceptable tantrum. Yeah, you keep that up, man, and we're going to be very good. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I, uh, You know, it's funny. Like, my kids don't mind going outside. They'll play on the trampoline. We have a little pond in the back of our mm-hmm. house. So, like, they'll go check that out. Um, you know, I'm not saying that they're more on their tablets right now. They don't like the heat. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sending it's my hot, kids. Man. I'm not sending my kids outside in 90 degree weather. I'm just not doing it. You, you hear that, Dad? If you listen to yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, when I was a kid, that didn't, that didn't matter at all. You go outside. You thirsty? Go drink from the faucet outside. Yeah. You know, and, and look, my kids want to go play. They go play. They won't play on the tablets. That's fine. My wife and I monitor it. You know, we keep a tabs mm-hmm. on what they're doing. Um, and there are some days where I'll take the tabs, like, I'll go play. I'll go do something else. I think that's instrumental. Going outdoors is instrumental. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what it is about our generation. We had kind of a best of both worlds where we grew up being forced to play outside, but we also had technology. So, like, we could enjoy technology, but we still had appreciation for nature. Yeah. So, you know, and like, well, I like playing on my phone. Don't get me wrong. I don't have any problem with going on Facebook and fucking with people debating and all that other stuff but I could just as easily leave my my phone on the counter and go outside and play cornhole for three hours and not even look at my phone or care about it you know yep yeah it's uh especially like I was telling you we like going to parks and stuff like that one Mm -hmm. of my favorite things about national parks is uh part of the rules and regulations they have is there's there's no improvements they don't want you making improvements out there so pretty much any any big national park you get to that has a lot of acreage yeah you lose service Mm-hmm. So uh, when you when you're driving into the boundary of the park, basically service is gone. Yeah, and it's like all right, throw the phone down, don't look at it. It's no point. Yeah, you know you, you might be able to grab some service at the top of a mountain. Mm-hmm. You can use it to take pictures. That's really it, and it's yeah. awesome. I like I like the disconnect. I think there's something healthy about disconnecting every once in a while. Yeah, like uh, I I try to go backpacking when I can. Now, it's been a while, but you know one of my favorite things to do when I go backpacking is. Throw the phone in the glove box, man. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to bring it yeah. because I'm gonna. I know I'm gonna have service. Yep. I don't want service. I don't want to see emails. I don't want to see texts. Yeah. I just want to disconnect. Yeah. I think that's great. So let's let, we'll touch on that in a second. Let's go ahead and take another break. Oh yeah. And we'll come back to it. All right, we're back. We had another bio break. And uh, does it feel like we already did about two hours? No. No. No, it doesn't. The first one got a little long at times, like yeah. a, but I, I was checking the clock. But this last, last little segment we did, man, yeah. I was just so. Uh, Once you start just getting in the flow, it just it's like that, man. Yeah. It just keeps going. I tell people that all the time. It was like I think some of my guests had like initial trepidation. You know, they're like, man, yeah, you know, like, I don't know if they were worried about like, talking. I was like, look, I'm gonna find something to talk about. Trust me. Yeah, absolutely. You know? No, this this conversation has been all over the place. Oh yeah, yeah, it's been fun, fun, you know. Um, but let's let's get back on camping, man. Yeah, you know, we've talked about going out outdoors and just kind of disconnecting from the phone, from you know, social media, whatever you want to call it. Um, I enjoy it too. And look, I, I do a lot of my phone. I really do. I, I listen to podcasts a lot. 
when I'm mowing grass and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Facebook and, and Messenger with my close yep. friends. I keep in contact. Do that on a daily basis. But I also don't have an issue with putting the phone down for six hours, seven hours oh, yeah, no. for the day. Like we go um, every year with with my like really close friends group Hunter and my buddy Brandon and Joe. Like we plan a, a, a group family trip to Gulf Shores to the beach. We've do we've done this the last like three years, but we're going again this year in August. And when I go to the beach, like my phone stays where it's at. Mm-hmm. I'll only look at it just to see what time it is. Mm-hmm. Other than that, if you sent me a message, I'm sorry. I'll get back to you later. Yep. You know? And um, I think that's that's crucial. Well, yeah, you know, when I was younger, I definitely uh, didn't didn't appreciate that as much as I do now. Boom. So, I mean, you're a little bit younger than me. But when I was in high school, I, my first phone was a Motorola Razor flip phone. Right? I had the Nokia brick. You had the Nokia brick. Oh, yeah. So, at that time, I could take pictures, but you didn't send pictures. Data, no, no, no. data, data was too expensive to send pictures. And yeah. even then, most people didn't have, like, picture, like, phone, you know, phone capture, you know, picture capturing phones. So, okay. All right, so... We're talking about just kind of disconnected from the phone. Yeah, yeah, talking um, about disconnected. One of the big ways I do it is camping. And like y'all was telling us, yeah. uh, well, my wife hates camping with a burning passion. Really? She, uh, As she puts it, she doesn't pee in the woods. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you're a woman, not kind of. I can respect it. Yeah, yeah, I can respect it. But I also know some women that did it back in the day when we were oh, yeah. recruiting it up. So. Oh, yeah. No, it's. I'll, I'll give my wife credit. She's tried. Yeah. She has decided that's not for her. Yeah. So that's fine. So uh, camping and hiking is kind of my disconnect. Yeah. Um, I, I've recently gotten pretty big into like off-roading and, and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So uh, I have a forerunner now. He's up at Tacoma, but I, I love just driving that out in the woods. Mm-hmm. I got a couple of good little camping spots in Kasachi National Forest so that Nine times out of ten, I am completely by myself. Mm-hmm. So I'll go set up and uh, and just, just cook a little rice and gravy, have a little whiskey, read a book. We, we need to go out there. I know you like being by yourself. Uh, no, no, I love having somebody. We, we should out. we should do that one day. I, oh, I would really enjoy that. I'd like to get my kids to go out eventually too, though. Yeah, no, there's a, like I said, there's some great little camping spots that I, that I, I like to frequent when I can. Mm-hmm. It's obviously been difficult recently, but uh, yeah. I'm figuring once Kale gets a little bit older and he can come along, it'll be easier. But uh, so that that's how Forrest disconnects. Yeah. Forrest and Cassie disconnect by going to national parks, which uh, I'll tell you the whole story about it because I think it's a pretty interesting story. Yeah. Happened completely by accident. Um, so we were supposed to go to Disney World in the winter, so in January of 2018, I believe it was. Um, we'd, we'd scheduled our Disney trip, we booked everything, yeah. and uh, they had a hurricane that hit, uh, it wasn't January, it was September. Must have been September of 17. Anyway, the date's not super important. Mm-hmm. But a hurricane hit Florida, and this is like the only time Disney World has ever shut down was for this hurricane. Yeah. Yeah, well, they, that point. They must have sustained damage. Yeah, they had some damage, and it was kind of like, 
hey, we're open again, but like we we took damage, so there's yeah. a lot of things that are closed. Yeah. So we said, you know what? Uh, yeah, I told Kat, I said, look, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin our experience. Let's just reschedule the trip. Mm-hmm. We we have the PTO. Yeah. Um, we're we'll just take it when everything is open. That way we don't have to worry about planning around things. Yeah, because I mean, like, if okay, you're going to Disney, you you want to you want to experience everything. Yeah, yeah. You pay for the experience. Yeah. You want to get the full experience. Um. So so we we had a we had to reschedule, but this all happened very last minute. You know, because it was a hurricane, not super predictable. Anyways. So we're like, all right, what are we gonna do? We have a week off of work. We've been looking forward to it. She's like, look, let, let's let's just take the week off of work. I said, okay, let's do it. It's fine. You know, we'll do a little staycation type thing. We'll yeah. stay home and be nice. So we're like, okay. So that lasted um, till Saturday. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was, yeah. Get, I was yeah. like, I was like, yeah, it'd be really cool if we could do something. She's like, well, what do you want to do? So I was like, all right, well, let's figure out somewhere we can go. Like maybe like just a little two night thing. And a couple of years before that, in the summer of 2014 or 15, was it 14? My little brother graduated high school, Hayden, you yeah. know, Hayden. and uh, my dad said, "Hey, let's go to the Grand Canyon." Or no, Hayden, he didn't go on his senior trip yeah. to Destin or whatever. Yeah. My dad said, "What do you want to do?" And Hayden goes, "I don't know. Let's go to the Grand Canyon." Mm-hmm. Which Hayden, this is kind of his mo, very random. So we took a very spontaneous road trip to the Grand Canyon. Yeah. So I told Cassie, I was like, "Hey." Let's go on a road trip. And she's like, well, where do you want to go? I said, I don't know. So I pull up maps. I basically looked, how far can I go in three days? Yeah. And spend the day somewhere and then turn around and come back. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was like, all right. Like I start, you know, I start looking, basically drew my whole search radius. And uh, I was like, you know, we can make it to Mount Rushmore. I love America. Mount Rushmore is an American icon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And let's go see Mount Rushmore. So she's like, okay. And she's like, well, oh, it wasn't that simple. She's like, well, what about hotels? And I'm like, look, me and my dad take this road trip. It's easy. You just drive to your tire. You book a hotel. You're good. Yeah. So um, she's like, okay, well, all right, I guess we can do it. So, like, literally, we, we pack our bags Saturday night. We wake up Sunday at, like, 5 in the morning, 4 yeah. in the morning. Yeah, hit the road. Hop in the car and just drive. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> day one, we drive like 14 or 15 yeah, hours, oh, yeah, so yeah, put, yeah. A, put in a heavy drive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like, all right, we're starting to get tired. Let's look for a hotel. So uh, almost doomed the trip from the start. I could not find a hotel. Really? We're, we're in Nebraska. Wow. And this is the first or second week of September. Mm-hmm. The second week, because it's right before my birthday. And I'm like, she's like, I thought you said it would be easy to find a hotel. I'm like, babe, I'm sorry. It usually is. We're in BFE, Nebraska. How can we not find a hotel? So we finally find the hotel. We find the last room, which is the honeymoon suite at some, like, That's funny. Days Inn or something yeah, like yeah. that, right? So we go and check in, and, like, I walk in there, and it's, like, you know, it's, like, two truckers checking in in front, and it's, like, 1030 at night. So we go there, like, hey, man, you know, we had the room. Where it's, like, okay, he gives me the keys. I'm, like, hey, I just got to ask you, dude, like, what's the deal with the hotels? Why are there no hotels? Yeah. He goes, oh, it's Corn Festival this weekend. Oh. Uh, I said, what? And he's like, it's the Corn Festival this weekend. He's like, this Corn Festival in Nebraska, he was like, it takes up the, the basically the exit that the Corn Festival happens at, mm-hmm. and like six or seven exits in either direction yeah. by that interstate. Yeah, full hotel. just so happened to be rolling in that weekend. So we, we Great get this, timing. Yeah, Great timing. Yeah. We get this room, and it's sketchy. Mm-hmm. It's a suite. 
It, it was it was an experience. And then we the next day we get up and like you know I'm like dude, I mean the corn festival like yeah. and we still joke about that. Yeah. So we drove. We we stopped and saw a couple of things and we stopped in a city called Wall, South Dakota. Um, it's it's very close to Sturgis where they hold the big motorcycle yep. rally. Mm-hmm. So. I was looking and I said, man, there's this national park, the Badlands. I've always wanted to check out the Badlands. Like, I've heard about the Badlands. Yeah. It's a really cool place. Let's check it out. So, like, all right. So, we drive out there. We actually ended up spending more time in the Badlands than we did at Mount Rushmore mm-hmm. because the wall of South Dakota is literally like five minutes from the entrance to the park. Yeah, gotcha. And I was like, this place is amazing. Like, I, I've always loved nature. I kind of didn't get as into it or like, I didn't. I didn't do as much with it as I should have yeah. while I was in college. Once I was working, I could afford to travel. I was like, all right, this is a place I really like. It's interesting. Let's do it. So I, I did a little bit of hiking there mm-hmm. um, with her and then without her. And then we uh, we went into the park at night. The Badlands is considered a nice sky park, oh, okay. which they have several around the country. That's pretty cool. And basically, that. it's it's places with zero light pollution. Mm, yeah, so, I love like, it. You can look at maps of the U.S., right? Mm-hmm. They, they'll show you the light pollution. There's a couple of spots in Louisiana that are dark. Yeah. But in South Dakota, it's like the closest light source city is 50 miles away yeah. or something. And your elevation is also higher because you're up in South Dakota. So right. A little bit closer to the star. And uh, since, since then, I've realized how lucky we were, but that night I didn't. So anyway, we, we drive into the park. It's open 24-7, so we drive mm-hmm. in. We're driving through, and uh, we pull over this little overlook. Mm-hmm. We get out the car, and it's pitch black. Like, I've been in caves, like where they do the mm-hmm. whole pitch black thing yeah. in caves. It was, it was about as close to that as I've ever been. It's completely dark night. You look up at the sky, and uh, it's those pictures you see where people do long exposures yeah. of the Milky Way. Yeah. That's what we saw. Like, really? Wow. Like, no long exposure, mm-hmm. just with the naked eye. It was one of the most beautiful sights I've ever seen. Yeah. It just it looked like the sky was split open and there were just stars spilling out. It was yeah. absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is this is amazing. And uh, it was so dark, we were afraid to walk away from the car because we didn't think we could find it. So mm-hmm. we were just leaning against the car the whole time, looking at one of the most beautiful sights I've ever seen to mm-hmm. this day. And uh, we, we drove back to the hotel, and uh, we're like, that, that was awesome. And we went to... Uh, we went to the Mount Rushmore, loved it. Uh, I'm an engineer. I'm a chemical engineer, but I, I have a mechanical yeah. mind. Yeah. And the, the um, Mount Rushmore, they talk a lot about the, the process of building Mount Rushmore, yeah. which is really cool. Basically, they carved the whole thing with dynamite. Mm-hmm. Like this, it wasn't guys with chisels, chiseling faces. Yeah. Like they were just yeah. drilling dynamite. Anyway, so the National Park Service has this thing they call it the passport program. Yeah. Where every park has uh they call it passport but they have a stamp yeah and every day they just put the date and it has the name of the port so we're at this other park in south dakota as uh, a monument for uh, minutemen missiles nuclear missiles yeah they used to store all these missiles in the midwest well uh we bought the passport book there we're like this is really cool mm-hmm. you know we'll, we'll see if we can get into this so we got our stamp there like every park you go to you stamp yeah. your book there's a spot yeah. for it so like, all right, we'll go back to the Badlands. We stamped it. We stamped it on Mount Rushmore and everything. And uh, that kind of turned into like, hey, we, sh- we should try to go visit national parks. Like, this is this is really fun. And this is kind of a double-edged sword for me telling everybody this, right? Because I uh, 
I like disconnecting from people. Mm-hmm. And when, when I tell people, hey, you should go to national parks, they go. The national parks get more crowded, which means I have to deal with more people. Yeah. But this is like a part of America that a lot of people don't yeah. realize well, we have. And also, you have to look at the trade-off. It, it, you want more people going to national parks because that means more funding for national parks. You're also right. Yeah. Um, you know, so like the the stamping your book thing. You know, that's that's the national parks trying to get people invested in national parks. Yep. Um, so I agree with you. I don't. You know, I've I've been to several state parks across the country, in Montana, New Jersey, yep. Louisiana. And like it, it does. There's I don't like seeing a lot of people when I go. Yeah. But at the same time, it's you get you what you need. You have to realize the the value of it. They're there to enjoy it just like you oh, are. Yeah. And if they're spending money, that means the national park can keep doing what it's doing. And it's it's a vital role to America. We need to keep these places to appreciate nature, to oh, appreciate absolutely. all the different things they stand for. I mean, Mount Rushmore, obviously, it's it's a pretty strong indicator, but. I've been, I've seen, uh, you know, I've been to the Yellowstone, Montana side, Colorado side also, and Wyoming side. I've been to, Yellowstone. I think I've been to three of the four, there's four gates. I've been to three of the four. Um, I've seen Old Faithful. Okay. I don't think I saw it going off, but I was there. I was there at Mammoth Hot Springs. Okay. And uh, they had um, a place called, was it Devil's Bridge? Basically, it was a rock formation where a river ran for like millions of years mm-hmm. and it carved through the rock, but then it went underneath the rock. Oh, I know what you're talking about. So there's a, a rock bridge you can walk on, and if you look in the side, it literally drops into the rock into a bunch of caverns, and then it goes off a ledge. But there, that was pretty cool. Uh, Montana's a great place to go if you just want to see yeah. different forms of nature. They have caves, they have Mammoth Hot Springs, which is literally, you know, volcanic fed hot springs. Um, we have Chico State Park here in, in, in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. They have Chico Hot Springs up in Montana, where what they did was is they funneled the natural hot springs into a pool at a hotel. Mm-hmm. So you, you could book a room at the hotel. They have a built like a restaurant at the hotel, and then they'd have two pools, a big pool and a smaller, like, hot pool the hot pool would run at like 105 degrees the big pool would run at 99 degrees we'd go there middle of december in montana and go swim nice uh, stuff like that um yeah. we went hiking in montana when i was younger i forget the name of the place i wish i could remember but it was basically a lake like not on top of a mountain but like close to the top of the mountain you had to do like five or six miles of hiking up a mountain to get to this lake that was near the top. Okay. And the first couple of miles, you run across a waterfall that's fed from the lake on top of the mountain. Oh, okay. So it was a small waterfall you pass by, and if you kept going up, you'd eventually hit the lake. We didn't hit the lake because there's a steep incline once you get to, like, the middle of the, the thing. But stuff like that, you know? And I'm kind of like you. Like, I can appreciate nature and natural parks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, sometimes you see people there that don't appreciate it as much as you. It just rubs you the wrong way, but I get it. You know, everybody should be able to experience that. That's why they're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also something special to be said for when you have a park to yourself. Oh, I agree. Or just like the stars thing, you know. just um, Yeah, I've, I've tried to take pictures. I've, I've been to several uh, other big parks. It's hard. 
Um, I've been to the Grand Canyon several times, yeah. three times now. I've been to Zion National Park mm-hmm. in Utah, uh, stargazed at all of those guys. But, man, that, that one night in South Dakota, mm-hmm. holy cow, that was like. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because, like, my current cell phone has a uh, moon zoom setting. It's yeah, like a lot, a, lot it's of like a, It's like a hundred times zoom. And it's specifically meant to get like a good picture of the moon. There's a lot of the new cameras that started to come out with like a long exposure mode and stuff, stuff. Like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, uh, I actually purchased a camera recently and uh, I take star photography yeah. with it. I'm not very good, but uh, if you like it, that's yeah, what matters though. Yeah, I can, I can sit outside, like we're in Colorado, you know, sit outside on the porch of the Airbnb at like 11 mm-hmm. midnight, just kind of taking pictures of stars. And, uh, yeah. That's just something I enjoy, but yeah, we that one trip kind of shaped a, a big part of our relationship and our marriage, and like a, I think since that one trip we've taken another four or five. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've taken one trip with a bunch of friends. We, yeah. we all drove out to Utah and, and did a bunch of national parks. Me and Cassie have done several. Um, just trying to we try to see as many as we can and enjoy. We've visited several parks multiple times yeah. just because we love them so that's a, something i've been really excited to do with kale so when he mm-hmm. gets a little older i'm hoping he gets a little more appreciative yeah man you need to when y'all get a chance go hit up montana man go hit up the national parks and they have some really <laughs> good um like wildlife museums and stuff out there like they have some some well at least when i went they had like wolves in captivity oh nice so you could check out some of those because at the time they were reintroducing wolves into the population. Yeah, they're um, starting to blow up now. IMAX theaters and, and fun, cool stuff like that. Even New Jersey had um, the Liberty Science Museum. Well, one of the cool things the first time we went to uh, first time we went to South Dakota, I don't know if you remember, I had a Dungeons & Dragons character named Vicious Bison. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, one of my most legendary D&D characters, but a whole other story. <laughs> While we're in South Dakota, they have a, one of the only remaining free uh, original bison herds in the U.S. Because, mm-hmm. you know, bison once roamed in the millions. They, yep. they were reduced to near extinction. And then they've done a lot of work trying to reintroduce them and repopulate them into the wild. So what you have now is you have uh, a set of, like, true bison is what they call them. Basically, mm-hmm. they're, they're full-blooded bison. Yeah. And then you have... Um, they would crossbreed with cows and stuff to yeah. increase the numbers. Yeah. Well, the very first time we're in South Dakota, there, there's a large population of them out there uh, in the Badlands. So we, you know, we're driving around I'm like, man, it looks like some cores are out there. We drive out there, it ended up being bison. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've, I've always had a fascination with bison. I think they're just amazing animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And uh, the first time we went out there in nature, you know, I, I parked on a fence line and one walks right past a car, mm-hmm. and I was just like. Oh my God, this is amazing! Yeah. So I, yeah, I got to take a video, and I, I didn't get out the car because I value my life. But, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Um, moose. Oh, moose will kill you. Are so big. Yeah, we uh, we, we saw one bull moose. So so when we went to Colorado. That was the purpose of the trip mm-hmm. was to visit national parks. The big one was the Rocky Mountain National Park, and. Uh, while we were there, we did see we got to see one bull moose. I was really excited. I didn't get a picture of it, but I did get to see him charging mm-hmm. through a lake, and it was amazing. Oh wow! Yeah, and I was like, I was 
I've been to ambulances. When I was in Montana, we saw one when we were in our car heading to a museum up there. Um, we were living up there, and my grandparents, Ethel and Bernard, came and visited us, and they wanted to see the sites. So they'd never been, so we went to Yellowstone. We went to like two different gates. We went one where kind of close to where we lived, which is in Montana, but we went to the Colorado side, not Colorado, a Wyoming side gate also. And um, we were driving to get there, and a big, a big moose across the path, big old bull moose. I was like, this does not look like the pictures I saw. Yeah, like, this thing is huge. is literally as big as a car. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, no, we got to see some elk while we were out there in the Rockies. Uh, we saw the one moose. So I, I got to see a, a marten, which was apparently a pretty rare sighting out there, which I was really excited about. Um, so I saw like little chipmunks or whatever that hang out mm-hmm. out there. So yeah, man, got to see some prairie dogs. Um, yeah. You know, prairie dogs, are, they're a nuisance up there because they destroy foundations. Mm-hmm. But man, I, I can sit there and watch them for hours. They're, they're an interesting oh, species. I can give you that. Um, I talked about it in a previous podcast, but like New Jersey had um, High Point, which is a state park. And um, it's the highest point in New Jersey. And supposedly when you overlook it, you can see three different states from that view. So you see New Jersey, things like New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and like Connecticut or Vermont or whichever okay. one's close by. Uh, that was a beautiful place. So you should check that out if you ever get the chance. So I've been to Colorado twice. I've driven through it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I've actually visited Colorado twice. Uh, the first time was for a bachelor trip and a bachelor party. Mm-hmm. I, I suffered altitude sickness pretty heavily. Really? Oh, very badly. Um, although after the trip, when I actually looked up, like, you know, this is what you do to avoid altitude sickness. I, yeah. I didn't do any of those. I did the opposite. Yeah. yeah. So it was understandable. But anyway, <laughs> um, this past time we went, I was like, all right, I'm determined. I'm not getting altitude sickness. Mm-hmm. So uh, I play paintball with a lot of guys from Colorado. It's a team called Team Anomaly. Yeah. Really great people. Um, you know, consider them all really good friends now. But anyway, one of the guys, he hikes a lot. Mm-hmm. She's like, hey, I'll take you on a hike. Because he knows I like to hike. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm about it. So, you know, I, I, I made sure that I, I gave myself time to acclimate. No altitude sickness problems. Mm-hmm. This dude took me on a hike that kicked my ass. But it was, it was called South Boulder Peak. It's supposed to be the tallest peak in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, made it up to the saddle between two peaks. I, I couldn't go any further. Turned around, mm-hmm. came back down. But... Yeah, absolutely beautiful views. Um, you know, I joke around with those guys. Like, you realize, like, uh, Louisiana has a mountain. And uh, they kind of, oh, really? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a large hill, but, but we call it a mountain because that is our highest point, Mount Driscoll. Yeah. 535 feet. Um, and they're like, yeah, you know, the parking lot's like 6,000 feet, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm aware. I'm aware. I, uh, yeah, when I lived in Montana, I lived, uh, a town, I say town, called Livingston, Montana. Okay. So Livingston was about a 45-minute drive from Bozeman and maybe an hour or two drive from Billings. So okay. It's kind of in the middle, but south. I'm familiar with Bozeman okay. just because of, there's an off-road channel that I follow okay. a lot. And okay. They're based out of Bozeman. Gotcha. So it's mid-Montana. Okay. You know, I say about mid-Montana, central Montana. And but Livingston, Montana is in a valley, 
So you're surrounded by mountains that are taller than where you're living. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful place. I mean, gorgeous. Now, in reference, Mamu's about a square mile, right? Mm -hmm. The the city, the town limits. Yeah, the original town is a square mile. Well, Livingston's about five square miles, but it's still technically a town. I mean, they'd have all kinds of fast food. I call them a small city person, but they call themselves a town, so that's fine. Um, so you had Livingston, and then the Yellowstone River would run through Livingston, and then about 10 miles away, you had Palancer Valley, which, if you know your Christopher Paolini lore, he lived there. Okay. And the Petrified Forest in the books was actually directly a result of the Petrified Forest in Palliser Valley, oh. uh, in Paradise Valley, in real life. So he lived there, and then the Yellowstone Gate was like a 10-minute drive from Livingston. So we lived, I think it was the North Gate. We lived 10 minutes from it. So we'd go there all the time. Oh, what? The Yellowstone River was awesome. And I mean, you can... I did the same thing in Montana that I did in Louisiana. I'd get on my bike and I'd ride all over town. And like I'd go ride to the library and I'd pass right next to the Yellowstone River and people would be sitting there fly fishing, chilling. And then you're surrounded by mountains. Now the winter was kind of rough because we were there for the winter for a little while. And um, I experienced my first taste of negative 20 degree weather. Yeah, that's and then I, think, I think it ended up, my dad, and I didn't remember this, but my dad was like, nah, I hit about like negative 40. And at negative 20, they shut down schools. They're like, stay home. Don't be stupid. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, we'd all hang out near the furnace because it was just, it was cold everywhere else, you know? And we'd have like two foot of snow everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I loved it, man. And it's funny because I'm, you know, I'm this Cajun Couillon from Louisiana, used to 100 degree summers. 95% humidity. Yeah, 95% humidity. You put me up in New, uh, up in Montana, and it's like fall going on winter. It's 20 degrees outside, and I'm sitting there in shorts and a t-shirt, and I'm loving it. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> you know, it's a different cold too, man. It's a, it's a, it's a different kind of cold, and I just like. The colds. Mm-hmm. I'm a warm body person. Like Mary always, my wife Mary always comments. She's like, "You're just too hot." You know, like she don't want nothing to do with me during the summer. Like, Leave me alone. You, your body heat's just too much. Yeah, I put off a lot of body heat. I do too. Yeah, too. I always have. So like, I like I like cold. You know, if if, if I have an opportunity on my thermostat to put it below seventy, I definitely will. But you gotta be careful not to freeze it over. Yep. You know, that's so why you just do it at hotels. Yeah. What? So Mary and I hit our ninth year anniversary on May twentieth. No, I'm going May twenty sixth. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. We went to so <clears throat> we went to Baton Rouge. Just a little one day outing. Mm-hmm. She she planned it. Um ordered us a, a, a nice room at a hotel we thing on hotel. And they have kind of like, not necessarily a honeymoon package, but just like a couple's package. Mm-hmm. So they send you up a bottle of champagne with a bowl of fruit. And they give you like a $50 credit at the bar. So we went there for the day. Uh, they have a movie theater over there where they 
they you can order food like they have a restaurant. Okay, yeah, I've so, heard of those. yeah. So you there's like three of them in Louisiana. So you sit down, you're ready for your movie. They have a tray that like like turns onto the top mm-hmm. of your lap, and you get on your phone because of COVID. You just order whatever you want, and they bring it to you. You watch your movie, eat your food, you're good. So we did that, and they had a books a million like or a Barnes and Noble like right next to the theater. So we went there for a little while. Couldn't Uber, which we don't normally do, but I was like, fucking, I don't want to drive. So yeah. Uber back to the hotel. It was really easy to eat up the fifty dollar uh bar credit. So mm-hmm. We had like three drinks oh, between yeah. us, you know. It was a fun little outing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It was enjoyable. Um, so I suggest anybody do. Like, look, man, I don't want to beat, beat it too much, but if you're in a relationship, if you're married, make time. Oh, yeah. To, to go on dates, kind of like you said, like, especially when, when you didn't have kids, you know? Hey, if, if you, you don't could, have kids, you should. Yeah, if you, if you can afford it. Like, look, trust me, Mary and I, before kids, had no money. We have more money now with kids, which I don't know how that worked, but you know, um, if you can make time to go do those things. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's one of the beautiful things about state parks and mm-hmm. national parks and stuff like that. Circling back to that nature, it's either free or it's really cheap. Yeah. You know, if that's something you're into, it's usually pretty cheap. Yeah. I would, I would say that for sure. Um, and you can just go for the day. And enjoy yeah, it, absolutely. You know? Now, if you don't like nature, well, hey, that's, that's your business. Go go find you a hotel in Baton Rouge. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, but I think the point is make 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 time. You know, make date time for you and your significant other. Oh, it, yeah. it pays off dividends, like you said. You you, you created a, a a strong foundation for your relationship that you have now, based on a trip to a natural park. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would think when when me and Cassie first started dating, or you know, even even early into our marriage, I would never have expected her to say, "All right, babe, we need to plan a trip to see all these different places in nature." Mm-hmm. Look, even if you have to book a hotel room for her because she can't pee out in the woods, yep. it's worth it. That's what I tell her. I have a rooftop tent for my forerunner, kind of. You know, it's one of those yeah. fancy tents that sits on the roof, and you you get to sleep on top of the yeah. truck. Real, real bougie glamping, <laughs> primo. But uh, yeah, that, yeah. I mean, one day I'll get to use my tent. We're uh, we're used to that roughing it lifestyle, and I, I don't. When I think of camping, I do not think of campers or yeah, same glamping. Here. Like my idea of camping is is very much the bitch approved mentality, which is you're gonna put this seventy pound fucking backpack on your back. You're going to hike 9 to 12 miles to a location. Then you're going to set up your own tent, mm-hmm. and that's what you're sleeping in. Whether it's hot, cold, rainy, dark, it doesn't matter. We've done it all. I mean, oh, yeah. You and I specifically have done it all for sure. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. I've talked to uh, some of the guys I work with. One of them runs a Boy Scout troop. Yeah. And I've talked to a lot of guys who do like a whole ultralight or, or you know, high-end backpacking. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know. That that's great, you know. You can do that, and it's it's very valid. You can make a pack weigh five pounds or something yeah. crazy like that. Yeah. It's like you know, but but in high school we we really with venture crew, you know, we we're buying tents for forty fifty bucks. Those tents lasted eight ten years. Yeah. We we're buying backpacks for thirty dollars. So it's like, 
Your dad still has some of those hiking backpacks. Oh, yeah. I have several in my garage. Yeah, I think I might even have one at my house that yeah. I just never returned. I can't remember. But Yep. But, yeah, you know, we, we were, you know, people were working with budgets, and, and that's, I, I guess I, what I'm trying to say is, like, you, you can go to REI, you can go to all these yeah. other high-end camping places, and it, it's it's super easy to drop a $1,000 on, yeah. on, on camping. Oh, yeah. But you don't really need to. You know, we, we definitely got away. I, I mean, I've bought I've purchased like backpacking tents for forty bucks yeah. for myself, plus plus a forty dollar pack, and, mm-hmm. and you can go anywhere you want. Yeah, you know. Yeah, definitely. Adventure uh, yeah, was fun, man. It, you know, it was a, a medium where we'd have fundraisers to get the tents, get the backpacks, pay yeah. for all that. Um, you provided your own sleeping equipment, so like sleeping bag was on you, food was on you. Um, sometimes it would amaze me some of the things that people would bring out yeah, to man. a week long, you know, trip in Arkansas down to Buffalo River. Um, and I'd sit there and be like, mm, that's, I don't know if that's a good idea, but okay. You know, yeah. I mean, hey, you're the one carrying it. Or, well, in that case, we were canoeing, so it wasn't as bad. But, you know, you go on, on a weekend trip and, you overload oh, yeah. your backpack too much. That's rough after like mile three, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, that no, no, was really cool because you know my, my dad. I don't know if you knew this. He worked for the Forestry Service for yeah. a little while. Yeah, I, I didn't know that in college, and uh, so that, that's kind of where my basis of backpacking mm-hmm. came from. So um, I remember pretty vividly my first ever overnight trip with him. I was so pumped. Uh, we took Kasachi, same place we'd go for Venture Crew. We did the same trail. Uh, but this was in the early 2000s because Star Wars Episode One had just come out. Oh, yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. I had this canvas book set, backpack, mm-hmm. and it was just like a canvas fold-top knapsack with like a little little straps. And that's the only thing I could wear. I was too small to fit, like in a traditional yeah. hiking bag. So my dad put my clothes in there. He put a sleeping bag. He tied it with twine to the bottom of the pack. And that, that was my first hiking trip. I mean, mm-hmm. We walked out there to the trail. Uh, we, you know, we went to the, the campsite. He, he carried everything else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we, you know, we did that when we could. And then, um, well, I even remember when you were younger, you went on some of the venture crew trips too. Yeah, so I was going to say. So, so you were a little bit older at that time, but I think Hayden came along on a couple of trips. Yeah, so I would have been. So it was, it was before. It was my sophomore year at least. When I was on Venture Crew, because what happened was, is when we moved to Mamu, my sister joined first, mm-hmm. and my mom was adamant on letting my sister have her space. So they didn't want me to join. <laughs> They're like, let your sister go do that. Don't bother her. So I was like, okay. But then sophomore year, I was like, no, I'm joining. Like this is something I want to do. Yeah. So it must have been sometime after that, which is oh five. Well, six. so I was. So this first trip, so this is before Venture Crew. Yeah. Um, my dad would take me in. Yeah, he started up Venture Crew when I was in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. That was the first time he started it up. And uh, I, would go on the, I would go on the trips with everybody, you know, and then we'd carry that on through. But, but Venture Crew was awesome because was a, you know, the, the trips became a lot more frequent, you mm-hmm. know, once Venture Crew started. So yeah. I got to go on a lot more hiking trips and. I put I put some miles uh, into venture crew. Yeah, yeah, I I hear you there, man. I talked about it in that first episode. 
I've got well over 250 miles hiking. I've got over 150 canoeing, kayaking. And you just probably did more than me. Yeah, I did a lot. I went on a... Let's see, I did a week in the Smokies. I was 50. I did, I did two canoe trips, I think. And then a lot of other backpacking. Basically every other trip. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I got to, got to do a lot of that. So, which uh, my wife always gets aggravated when we go hiking now mm-hmm. because I, I just kind of keep going like a little train. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I mean, now I'll probably taper off a little bit, but back in the day, I just let it go. You know? I mean, I'll chug a log until I'm, I'm at 8,000 or 8,500 <laughs> feet. Then I, yeah, and I still like, consider mm, I think I need to take a breath. Yeah, just, yeah. just hold on now. <laughs> Yeah, no, my friend from Denver that was there, Boulder, I should say, he'll probably get mad if I say Denver. Uh, he was, you know, he's he's not even breathing hard, and I'm just gasping my way up mm-hmm. this mountain. This man, this, Louisiana doesn't have oh, this. There's a there's a definite difference. Uh, oh, yeah. I remember the first month I was in Montana and getting used to it because where we were at, I think the elevation was just over a mile, so five thousand feet somewhere around there, and. Uh, it's still very hilly, even in that valley we're in. <laughs> um, I remember having to adjust to it, but once I adjusted to it, it was fine. Like I said, I'd walk everywhere, ride my bike, and play and everything else. Um, I don't know. I think I'm just more of a cold body person, you know, so I adapted pretty quickly to it. Yeah, no, I, uh, I enjoy it. Out in Colorado, and we've been to Utah twice. And- Keep telling Cass, I'm like, hey, if you ever want to go there, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Hope so, man. I guess we'll do a couple more introductory questions. We're not quite done yet. Yeah, I'm starting sure. to fade, though, a little bit. Um, let's go with movies, man. Any, any record, recommendations for movies? Man, you know... Are you a movie person? I, I tell a lot of people I don't have the attention span for movies. Okay. Um, I try. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's like I, I find it hard for me to sit down and say, you know what, I'm going to sit down and commit two hours or two and a half hours watching yeah. this movie. So when, when Kel was born, um, I watched a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think probably the last, last full movie that I watched was uh, Solo or... Um, was it Tarantino, The Hateful Eight? Yeah. I mean, both good movies. Yep. Some people feel differently about Solo, but I thought it was all right. Um, it was... So I have pretty strong feelings about the new Star Wars franchise. Uh-huh. I'm not a huge fan, but the expansion movies, mm-hmm. so I think Rogue One, Yeah. absolutely phenomenal. Oh, Rogue One is probably the best, one of the best Star Wars I movies, think so. I in think my so. opinion. Yeah. It's standalone easily. Yeah, Solo, I thought, I thought was good. Um, um, I didn't. I didn't care for the Force Awakens. I felt it was too safe of a play. Mm-hmm. I think with the last three movies of of that trilogy, um, they didn't have a consistent direction. You yeah. had what two or three different directors, yep. and I don't think you should have a trilogy with more than one director. You should have a one sole outlook. Yeah. Even even if it's bad, just roll with yeah, it. Have that vision. Because you can tell the inconsistencies and, and the plot holes. Yeah. And, and the story was just left like, 
the last person was just like, I'm going to try to do my best, but there's only so much I can do at this yeah. point. Um, I, I mean, if I watch the movies, I could rewatch them. Like, I, I can enjoy them, but I could also say they weren't. Yeah. Out, out of the three trilogies, they were the, it was the worst one. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, I'm more of a TV show guy. Okay. So, oh, so you do watch a lot of TV shows. Oh, yeah. I watch a lot of TV shows, mm-hmm. like things I could do 20, 30 minutes, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, Big Office Guy, Parks and Rec. Yes. So, okay. Guy. So, I need to watch Parks and Rec. I'm going to go ahead and admit I haven't watched those yet. I did binge watch The Office a year ago for the first time. I've watched The Office like four or five times. Listeners, look, let me let me explain something to you. You're going to have to power through the beginning of The Office. And you're going to have to kind of tell yourself that the crunchy humor pays off. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal show. Um, it's, it's, it's an amazing show that only gets better. Like, I, you should watch it. It's it's hard. It was hard for me to initially to get into it. I think it might have been a time frame kind yeah. of thing, but once I did, I was like, "This is amazing," you know. Um. Uh, so Parks and Rec, it's kind of the same way. First season, mm-hmm. it takes them a little while to get their feet under their, yeah. you know, legs underneath them. But once they do, around season two, it, it gets really good. Yeah. Well, what I'm currently watching right now is a uh, Big Bang Theory. Okay. From start to finish, I'm on like season seven right now. I haven't finished the whole series, but I I, I did enjoy yeah, it. Uh, it kind of fell off towards the end. I, I'm, sh- I'm, sh- I'm sure it did, but so far it's good. Like it makes me laugh, and it has the nerdy aspect to it, so I can enjoy it. There's a there's a show I've been watching a lot lately called Taskmaster. Uh-huh. I don't know if you ever heard of that, but I don't think I have. It's, it's a British TV show, but okay. basically it's a it's a live show. They yeah. they get like five British comedians on each season. Mm-hmm. And they compete doing these tasks where these two uh, two other guys they write, and it's mm-hmm. just you know it's kind of those uh, like think outside the box kind of tasks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's they kind do of the improv and yeah, like what yeah. can you what can you do with the situation kind, kind of, of a comedy show. And then mm-hmm. uh, I'm a car guy, so I, I watch uh, I watch Grand Tour, which is mm-hmm. the spinoff from Top Gear. It's the same Top yeah, Gear. Guys. Yeah, which I used to watch Top Gear a okay. lot. So. so yeah, Grand Tour was the Amazon. After they left Top Gear, they went to Amazon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really good show. And then there's a new one, uh, Jeremy Clarkson, the, the old guy, the older one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he runs a forum. It's a, it's a whole show about him oh. running a forum. Okay. I got you a little spinoff. Yeah, it's very yeah. entertaining. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I've been, I've been watching a lot of that lately. Mm-hmm. That's pretty um, cool. But, uh, yeah, I, my dad's been a mechanic for 40 years. So some of that gearhead yeah. car mentality definitely rubbed off on me. It's um, kind of funny. My dad cannot stand working on vehicles. I don't blame him. Yeah. I uh, At my current company, I was a mechanic for them for like six months. And uh, what I learned is I'm not very good at it. Now, if you leave me to my own devices, I can get it done. But it's not going to be as quick as a professional. And if I don't know what I'm doing, I'm more prone to just not do it. Because yeah. I don't want to mess anything up. You yeah, know, it's, it's one of those things I definitely enjoy it as a hobby. I don't mm-hmm. know how I'd feel about it as a profession. Yeah. But uh, you saw a forerunner outside. I did yeah. a bunch of work on that guy. Uh, we take that on a lot of road trips. I had a little Tacoma before that. I did a ton of work on and then I have a Mustang that I autocross and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I work on that whenever I can. So I watch a lot of gearhead shows. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, so I definitely have an appreciation for, like, Top Gear and 
and stuff like that. Um, it, it's it it might be cliche, but like the the old school Shelby GT hundred uh, GT, you know. Mustangs. Yeah. That's the Mustang I have. I have a 2008 oh, really? GT500. Yeah. So I like the the '67 model, but yeah. but uh, to me it's a classic. And if I could own one, that would be the one I'd want to get. Yep. Uh, my my absolute favorite is the '60s, or the early Shelby mm-hmm. GT500s. But the, uh, the the early when they re-released them in 2007, 2008, mm-hmm. I loved them. Yeah. Uh, that that's what I was able to get. Mm-hmm. So I love it. Hey, I mean that's cool, man. Um, I don't know if I'd have my own garage, but if my if I ever had money, I'd give the garage for my dad. Because my dad's ideal heaven is just to go and tinker with a toy mm-hmm. and just do whatever you want. Oh, yeah, it's so much fun. So, um, that being said, I like TV shows too. I'm more into like anime and stuff like that. But like, I like I really enjoyed Forge and Fire. Okay, making oh, knives. Yeah, that was a cool show. Yeah, I uh, I enjoy that thoroughly. So like, I watched. They had a new season come out recently, and this year they're doing a competition between the judges and like three other contestants. Okay. So they get to test their skills against you know the legitimate masters. You know, so always. Uh, cool. I think my favorite part on that show is like when at the end when they go home to mm-hmm. forge their their weapon yeah. in their own forge, and you just see the differences in forges. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I think there was one episode the guy one of the guys had like this full forge setup. You mm-hmm. know. He, it's this really nice professional setup, and the guy he's competing against is like, yeah, I have this satellite dish here. Like, I heat everything up and yeah. melt it on the dish. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. so yeah. cool. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, you know, the, the ways they find to get stuff done without, like, legitimate equipment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know? And then they're also used to using their own equipment. Like, oh, yeah. the thing about that show is, like, they have everything you need there. Don't get me wrong, but you're so rushed. Well, it's yeah. kind of like when you watch a cooking show, right? Like these people are supposedly amazing bakers and cooks or whatever. And you watch them in the kitchen, it's like they don't really look like they know what they're doing. But it's like they they have access to some tools and equipment that like they they have they I would mean, never I, have at their house. And it's just like working on a vehicle, bro. Like if you don't got the right tools, oh yeah, you can jerry rig some stuff. I've done it before. Oh yeah, you don't want to. Though. No, I, I and it's as simple as like I have a little riding lawnmower. The moment grass, the drive built on it, got overextended. Mm-hmm. I have to change it out. Well, to change it out, I got to drop the entire blade deck, yep. disconnect the throttle, and then I don't have an official lift or anything like that for this thing. So I'm literally jacking. I have a little jack. It's like a little one-ton jack. Mm-hmm. I'm jacking it up. I'm putting wooden blocks underneath to keep it off the ground just mm-hmm. so I can get under it right. to look at this thing. And then, I don't know why engineers are just so fucking stupid sometimes, you know, like... Designing yeah, uh, something with, with yeah. everything off of yeah. it is different. Yeah, on, on one side, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm joking because I know you're an engineer, but <laughs> um, on one side, you know, you have to hold the bolts on top of the engine to disconnect the bottom pulley. And, like, there's no way you can do that by yourself. you got to have someone hold the yeah. back up. And then on the back side, there's a little fan blade on the rear side of the engine and the belt connects to a pulley right there, but there's no way to pull the pulley off because in order to pull the pulley off, you need to have a backup. There's no place to get a backup. It leads straight to a gearbox. Uh, and then 
on my unit for whatever reason right around the pulley. So like I watched some videos on YouTube just to kind of, I'd never done it before. So I was like, well, let me get an idea. Well, they would just pull the belt off. Well, mm-hmm. on mine, they decided to put a metal shield on the outside of, of the belt. Mm-hmm. So there's no way, you can't just pull it off because the shield's in the way. And so I went to Lowe's because I had to get a belt anyway. And I was like, well, I guess, I guess I'm going to get a pry bar. <laughs> so I got a pry bar set. And I used the smallest pry bar and I just kind of bent the metal pieces out, pulled the belt right now. I said, well, I'm not hurting anything. Yep. But it's just, it's just one of those things. If you're not willing to get your hands dirty and maybe bend a couple pieces, you might not get it done. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I spent half a day doing that bullshit. <laughs> All right. It was the first time I ever did it. You know, I could do it faster now, but uh, mechanic works its own special thing, man. I, I could change it all. You know, I can change the oil filter and all. I can change the transmission filter, everything like that. I've done that before. Checking the batteries, general maintenance, spark plugs. Uh, more recently, I mean, I've done a full brake job. I mean, rotors and everything else. Yeah. Uh, master cylinder for the brakes. Done that. Uh, got my air conditioner working. I've changed out the. Uh, That's always nice around here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I lucked out. We got a little stimulus thing. So I spent about. Four or five hundred dollars on a new compressor. My compressor blew 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 out the seals. And my dad's like, look, because I mean, like, even at that time, when the truck got two two hundred thousand miles, he's like, you could replace the seals. He's like, but the pressure's so old, you might as well just get you a new one. Mm-hmm. It's four five hundred dollar compressor. You know, it's not exactly cheap. Yeah. So, but I got it. I changed it out, and my dad is very savvy mechanical, like. That dude's got a sixth sense when it comes to cars. I don't know what it is, but he's always just had the gift, you mm-hmm. know. I don't have the gift. But when he tells me what to do, I can do it. I yeah, don't have a problem. Up. So now it's like, you know, he's like, well, it's going to take me a while. So I was like, get out the way. So like, you barely see him. Get out the way. So I get out of there. It took me like two seconds to just, you know, bolt up the compressor or everything like that. Um, so, I mean, I, I can do mechanic work. And even my dad's like, I don't know why you say you're not good at it. Like, Every time I work with you, like you get it done, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, well, I worked for, you know, the guy who I worked for was supposed to teach me and, and his idea of teaching was like, go do this. And he wouldn't show me yeah, anything. You know? Yeah. It's a tough way to learn. So, and I'm not, I need to be shown, like I'm, I'm a hands-on learner. I can learn it, but you need to show me how to do yeah. it. But the one, I, if you don't show me, then I'm guessing. And I'm the kind of person where I can come up with like five different ways to do something. I just don't know which one is the right way. Mm-hmm. And then one of those ways could potentially break something. Oh, yeah. I don't want to break nothing. No. So it's like you're putting me in a bad position. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Now, I like to tinker. If I'm not tinkering on cores, I, I work on my paintball guns. I want to start a small collection. So, yeah. Yeah. So, and then some, there's some paintball guns. It's almost like working on a classic car, like tuning a carburetor. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's a lot of I mean, timing and. Yeah, some nice big organs out there. I mean, I never had it. Me, I had like a, Tim, a Tipman '98 or mm-hmm. whatever. I bought your standard issue, yeah. just Academy, not the lower end, but not the higher end right. either. Um, it'd make you, you know. But uh, I, I guess I couldn't afford at the time. Yeah, really, you, know, you know, a lot of people ask me how long I've been playing, and I think uh, you, you've been playing for a while, bro. Yeah, so. Uh, Ken Prejo, dad's friend that yeah. passed away. He uh, yeah. he took me for the first time. I want to say in 02 or 03. Mm-hmm. 
So well, yeah, he used to do that a lot. Oh, yeah. I remember that. So, uh, you know, I remember back then. Oh, shit, man, that's, that's almost a decade. Almost two. Almost two decades. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah, I've been playing for a long time. It's a, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I play on a, a competitive team now. Yeah. Two of the guys are still in high school, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like probably between. So you're the old man. I'm the old man, man. <laughs> you're I, the old man. I don't know how I feel about it. You're not 30 it. yet, but you're yeah, old man. I'm the old buck. But, uh, no, man, Ken, Ken took me out, you know, and I remember when I first started playing, it's like scrounging up allowance money and, mm-hmm. and, and basically like four or five weeks of saving was half a day of play. Yeah. So, you know, I, I played as much as I could when I got to college. I kind of started playing again more. Um, mm-hmm. Because football basically nicks paintball, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but, uh, that's it. Football's an investment. So, yeah, when I, when I started playing again in college, and once I graduated college, I started playing a lot. Played with Ken a lot as much as I could. When he passed away, uh, I said, I play. Just kind of run around now, man. Yeah. But, we, you know, Ken, Ken played the scenarios a lot. The big, mm-hmm. big 26-hour games, the weekend-long games. Yeah. Uh, basically LARPing. Yeah. paintball guns. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, yeah, a lot we, of fun though. Oh yeah, yeah. No, we we enjoy those a lot. I play with I have a really good friend out of Dallas that we play with together. Um, and then like I was telling you earlier, we play with all these guys from Colorado. They're called Team Anomaly. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying earlier, great guys. Um, you know, they're just awesome people mm-hmm. to play with. They're also very good at paintball. So, <laughs> yeah, if you yeah, guys yeah. want to see some cool paintball guys, go check out Team Anomaly. Yeah, like, check them out. Um, I, I mean, I used to play a decent amount, but it was mostly with friends, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but I had a friend who had, like, a field, and she's so like, okay, start your own corner. Yep. You could hide in the grass and do what yeah, you can. We used to do that at the house, at Dad's house. We'd, we'd set yeah. up, like, some old oil drums, mm-hmm. you know, and play in the front yard. Yeah. I remember one year he had some barriers, though. He had some corner. There's uh maybe like some old old uh, plastic piping cut mm-hmm. into strips. And okay. Yeah, he yeah. put them up on some stakes that mm-hmm. make like a border and stuff like that. And we we set up like some plywood areas to make like some little ports and stuff. That was fun. And then uh, I remember when we were younger, when when uh Mike and I were hanging out, we went to Florida for a couple of weeks, and we went to play paintball over there. So, but they had a whole a whole setup, you know. That yeah. was a kind of like I said, like a half day event or almost a full day event. I don't think we participated all the way, but okay. They uh they would rent out guns and and paintballs and everything else. Yeah. So I can wear those. Yeah, it's kind of an experience thing, a resurgence of popularity. Yeah. It's really yeah. nice because it, you know, as long as I have been playing in, in the early two thousands, I would probably call that like it's it's heyday, like. Mm-hmm. Like, the tournament scene was really big. People yeah. were, were picking it up and playing, you know. And then uh, when, when the recession, the big recession hit in 2008, I think. Yeah. Uh, that, that almost killed it completely. Mm-hmm. It really dealt a big blow to the whole industry. But uh, it, it's really starting to resurge now. It's very popular. Like I was mm-hmm. telling you, we, we played, uh, you know, the guys I play with locally, we've played probably, I think, three or four tournaments since the yeah. beginning of the year. So... It, yeah, it's definitely picking up. We're playing another one, and uh, basically, if I wanted to, or if we wanted to, we could play tournaments every weekend. There's mm-hmm. that many going on around. Wow, us. that's so, pretty cool. Though. Yeah, it's, it's awesome, man. It's cool to see a see a sport kind of rise from the ashes and, mm-hmm. and start to get that resurgence yeah, again. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, that's a lot of fun. 
I remember playing with a guy who had a paintball gun that was an exact replica of a, a, bear, a Beretta 50 cal. Mm-hmm. And he had full ghillie suit and everything. Yeah, see, it's not me, but, but yeah, there are it, people it, Oh, it's not me either, but I was like, damn. Like, I'm here for like half a day. I rented most of my equipment. Mm-hmm. Like, this dude's hardcore. Yeah, yeah no, that's kind of one of the cool things. It's a, you know, we're talking about football. It's a very unique sport in that you can't really play anything but a watered-down version when you leave high school unless you're willing to invest significant money or you make it to that next level. Yeah. Um, paintball is unique in its own way, too, I find, because it's one of the only sports where I, I, I feel like you can meet someone from every single walk of life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like when we go to a big game, you know, I, I, uh, I'm a college degree graduate. You know, yeah. I have a four-year bachelor's degree. Uh, you know, I work I work in the oil field. I, I, I do... I do well. I I enjoy my job. I have a good office job. Yeah, I'm not yeah, doing yeah. a lot of physical labor, but it's like I, I can go to the paintball field, you know, and, and just on the team that I play with, I work with another. Or I play with another guy who has his own business and he's very successful at it. Uh, you know, I play with two guys that are still in high school. I play, you know, I've not on the same team, but like at other events, I play yeah. with guys who are like. You know, they've been to prison before, you yeah, know, yeah, 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 like yeah. unemployed people mm-hmm. or like, you know, druggies or clean guys. And it's like just it's so cool to see like that huge spectrum of yeah. people, you yeah. know, and they all come together. And for the most part, everyone's like just out there to have fun, man. And, yeah, and definitely. I, I've always had fun paintballing. I've always had like there was never a time where I was like this sucks. Like, yes. And I once crawled through a field for like. 10 minutes of a 20 minute round just to sneak up on the opposing mm-hmm. team and take out a couple of them. I mean, I army crawled with this paintball gun, you know? So, I mean, like, you can definitely get into it. It's it's definitely physically exerting. Uh, yeah. Running around and like like I've said before, we're in Louisiana. You get that Louisiana heat and humidity and you're doing paintball in the middle of that. You're probably not wearing shorts and a muscle shirt. You're probably yeah, covered you're head just, to toe. You're wearing your mask. You know? Oh yeah. And I'm not talking about COVID mask. I'm talking about paintball mask to protect your face. It's hot. Yeah, it's uh, uh it's, it's and, steamy, man. And you're running around trying to not get shot and trying yep. to shoot people. Um, Especially when you get into the tournament scene, you know, where you're playing with the inflatable bunkers and stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You're doing five on five, and the best way to describe it is uh. You know, it's like a high-intensity chess match because it's like, you know, you're both starting with five and, uh, you know, you lose one person and it's like you got to have the communication to let them know that you lost someone or yeah. you killed someone on the other team. And then it's like if you lose one person, you're trying to counter movement to, to fill that yeah. void. You yeah, know? you're trying to even out the numbers so and, and then progress to where they have less. But it's like everything's happening at, at you know, seconds because, mm-hmm. you, you know, if you lose someone, if, if you don't pay attention to that, if you don't feel that, they're going to push that advantage yep. and beat you, you know? Yep. So, it, it, you know, it's cool. It's fun playing. Like, it comes back to that, that high intensity, yeah. that edge. Yeah, that yeah. and there's a, there's a huge competitiveness to it. So, so yeah, there's something about it, man. Something about running around with a gun and shooting people. Yeah, also that. And not killing them is, yeah. is very fun. Yeah, getting that, getting that anger out. Yeah. Know? Blowing yeah. that steam off is mm-hmm. nice. I used to have smoke grenades. Mm-hmm. And paint grenades when I play. Yeah, so it's one of the cool things actually around around here in Lafayette. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the there's a local field in Dusan mm-hmm. called Lavina. Yeah, 
But uh, they, they've actually opened the brick-and-mortar store as well in Lafayette. Oh, really? So and that's not super common. Um, you know, there's a couple in Houston and stuff like that, but like having one, a brick-and-mortar store that you can actually go in and, like, hold a gun and try it out. Yeah, and stuff yeah. Like so, you know, Lavina Action Sports, that's that's the name of the store. They're on mm-hmm. Verot, but uh, it's awesome. You know, being able to have something like that mm-hmm. around here that close. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. Cool. They also sell skateboards and stuff like that. Okay, so. well, that's that's a good business move. You yeah, know? try to get the young kids in, get get Pretty them much. involved, and see if they'll like it. So, I always enjoy that. So I like community stuff too. Yeah, yeah, they they definitely they get involved whenever they can. Mm-hmm. So yeah, man, that's a. Uh, that's pretty much my big hobby right now. <laughs> Tinker on trucks. I uh, I don't really have a hobby, man. I, I play Destiny too. I guess podcasting is my hobby right now. I spend a lot of time. Yeah, you're busy, man. So, uh, like I was telling you earlier, I got a Pixies Playground right here. I just started Fantasy Ambush with Hunter. Um, I do a political commentary called Building Bridges on YouTube and Twitch on Wednesday nights. At 8.30 Central, if y'all want to watch that. Um, and then, not now, but sooner or later, Torture Earth will kick back up. That'll be once a month. So, um, it's not too bad. The, the fact that I decided to start editing episodes is what's really yeah, adding hours. to it. Now, Fantasy Ambush has gotten easier. It was. It's always difficult to start a podcast because you got to come up with the name, you got to mm-hmm. come up with the format, you want your introduction, what's it about. Um, I use Podbean, which is like a, a podcast, you know, medium to push it out. It gives you an RSS feed, but you got to sign up with Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Google's, iTunes, mm-hmm. all that other stuff. Wait for them to reply. So like, I'm, we're on Spotify with Ambush right now, and Pandora and TuneIn, but like Google and Apple take up to like two weeks sometimes for approval. You gotta have the right size image to represent. You have to have an episode already mm-hmm. in order to post. Um, you know, you gotta give a a, a warning or like a rating. Like PG thirteen or whatever, stuff like that. What you're about. So it the startup can be kind of daunting a little bit if you don't know what you're doing. And even when I knew what I was doing, it, it was time consuming. Right. You know. But once you get started, then after that, it's it's just pushing out content. Now, I think the only place I really struggle is like social media. I'm not a huge social media guy. One Facebook. I don't really mess with Twitter. I don't really mess mess with Instagram. I have Discord, but like I don't know a whole lot of people you know i'm in several groups but it's not something i use extensively right so uh it's creating those mediums for new podcasts so i got discord and facebook hunter should handle twitter he said or instagram maybe i don't remember which one um so like the last couple weeks have been setting that up editing the two new episodes learning how to edit just time so i mean i would do all that after work but i mean yeah. Like I said, it's 90 degrees. I have a labor-intensive job and heat, so it's just, by the end of the day, I'm kind of burnt, and now I'm going home and messing on a computer for a couple of hours. Yeah, no, mad respect for that. Uh, yeah. It's, look, it's, it's, 
I'm definitely passionate about it. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it. Um, and I take breaks. I, I, say I like playing my, my first-person shooters. That's kind of my video game of choice. It's been Destiny 2 for a little while now. But I'm a... Basically, had to put a screech and halt on all of my, my multiplayer online games mm-hmm. just because of the baby and everything. But I, yeah. I was playing a ton of the was it Battlefield Five, Battlefield Four was the yeah. most recent one that came uh, out. Four, I think. Yeah, they're coming out with another one. Yeah, twenty forty two is coming out. I'll, yeah. I'll definitely be trying to get my multiplayer yeah. life back up. Thing. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. No man, we we played. I had me and a couple of buddies played a ton of four. Mm-hmm. Uh, love it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed Battleground, it, Battlefield, I mean, um, it's just hard. It's hard keeping up with new games or different games. It is. I still like Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I swapped to Destiny 2 again. The, the storyline on Destiny 2 is amazing, but um, it's, there are plenty of games I want to play. Mm-hmm. I don't have the time to justify spending the money to play them. Yep. Yeah, just wait till they go and sell. And then this coming year is going to be terrible because there's so many good games coming out. Yep. No, I, uh, I've been playing Battlefield, like I said. I've been playing, I don't know if you've heard of Kingmaker before. Mm-hmm. So I played a little bit of that, enjoyed that. A lot of Red Dead. Yeah. Um, yeah, I played, I played Red Dead for a while, too. I've been playing Football Manager lately. Oh, yeah? yeah. Soccer simulator type thing. Okay, yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I, I enjoy soccer. If it's like a professional sport, I follow the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then, I mean, I, I play a couple of games on my phone. I play Clash Royale. Okay. So it's it's kind of like a, a won't quite equate it to Magic the Gathering, but it's a card it's a game. It's, it's a watered-down version of a card game, and I, I enjoy it. I've mm-hmm. been playing it for years now. Yeah, I used to play it a lot of that. They have a little football game on there, uh, NFL football, not, okay. not soccer football, um, <laughs> called Retro Bowl. Okay. It's an old school arcade version mm-hmm. of, of the NFL, and I, I play. I've been playing that for a year. And that's fun. Okay. Um, you know, I do that in my off time whenever I have a little bit of downtime or something. You know. If you want to play another old school game, one of the guys I work with actually, and, and I meant to talk to you about him. Yeah. If you wanted to interview another guy for this, this show. Yeah. He'd be down, but he he made his own game. So really. It's like an old school kind of uh, open world. Feel kind of like an old Mario, like an mm-hmm. Mario. Okay. It's called Dragon's Bane. Um, so if you ever want to check that out, I think it's like five bucks on Steam or something. Yeah, I'm gonna try it out. It's, a, it's open. I think it's in beta right now or okay. something like that. But yeah, you need to get me in contact with him. I'd love yeah. to have him on. Yeah, uh, no, he he put a lot of sweat and tears and uh, a lot of work into that game. And you know he's he's ironing out kinks and stuff. But it's basically he taught himself how to code. He he Golly. built this game, and yeah. uh, it it's freaking hilarious. You know it's. It, it's an old school dungeon type game, fantasy type game where you're fighting and stuff like that, grinding for XP. But uh, he's uh, he's an interesting character and he put a lot of his own twists and flair into it. So you yeah. Shopkeepers that are rude to you, uh-huh. or, you know, uh-huh. mysterious strange men that you have to like work with to get magic items. And, uh-huh. So yeah, it's a uh, dragon's vein. It, it's it's a fun game. I'm gonna have to check it out. Like I said, get. Get us in contact with each other. Oh yeah, that's I'm cool. always looking for new people. He, he's oh. actually a my dad. So my dad ran a torture earth game at my place of employment. So for for all the listeners, I I work at a technology company. We're a ton of nerds. Uh-huh. So my dad came and ran a tortured earth with this guy that that has created Dragon's Bane. He played a character in the game, and some of the stuff he did, 
and, it was and, just awful. And you've awful. seen my dad. Like, you, yeah. you've played games yeah. with that boy. Yeah, yeah. I've even, also played with you and yeah. Mike. And even my dad was like, you do what? Yeah. You know, so he just off the wall stuff. He's an absolute character. Uh-huh. Uh, but, yeah, the game is really sweet. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I'll, I'll have to get you guys in touch. Yeah, yeah definitely. But he's, uh, definitely. he's actually, well, I was going with that. Was, um, he's working with my dad to try to do some promotion for his game, mm-hmm. with Tortured Earth. At, at some oh, conventions I mean, and stuff. Tortured Earth is definitely a medium to, to cross-platform. Right? Oh, absolutely. So, it's one of the reasons I like it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, and I'm all about people, man. Listeners, if y'all want to come on, come on. So, I got you. I might have another one tomorrow. Oh, nice. We'll see. She it would be my first female guest if, if I have her on. Uh we talked about tomorrow. I messaging messaged her, but I there's almost never a direct response. Kinda like with you. Yeah. <laughs> so and I know you're busy, so it's not a big deal. Like, yeah, I'm no, not, we've been we've been trying to do this for like six months now, I feel like. For a long time. Yeah. And it's it's always funny because like I talk to people about it and like I don't know if they think I'm in a rush. I'm like, look. I'm 32 years old. I have a wife and two kids. I understand mm-hmm. that life gets in the way. I'm at, we're just at that stage of life where like our schedules are busy. Yeah. So I don't, I don't have a problem with waiting. It's not a big deal. Like don't feel bad. Like it's fine. It's mm-hmm. perfectly okay. I was like, but just let me know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you're not interested, just tell me straight up. You know, I had a guy, he was interested in coming on, and then it was like four or five hours before we were supposed to start recording. He messaged me, he's like, I don't feel good. So he's like, I'm going to cancel. And after that, Never I, messaged, I messaged him. I was like, hey, are you okay? Like, this is a couple of weeks. I was like, hey, are you okay? And this is kind of during the COVID times, a little bit after. Never answered. Nothing. Okay. It's fine. If you're not interested, just say you're not interested. You know, I, yeah. I don't, it's fine. Like, I don't, you know, I asked you because I thought you might be interested. If you're not, it's okay. Yeah. I'll find somebody else. Oh, yeah. No, but, you know, if you're ever, ever in need, I'm, I'm always down. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll do some recaps, man. I did my first round, too, with Travis Boone, and we went off the rails. It was fun. Yeah. We made a, one too many ginger jokes, and uh, we had a blast. Um, so I'm definitely going to do repeats. It's going to happen for sure. Sweet, yeah, man. I uh, I enjoyed it. Good, good talk, good conversation. All over the place. All over the place. It goes by quickly. I mean, I enjoy doing it though. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, but uh, we'll we'll go ahead and and hit the ending here. Uh, it's a good talk. Yeah. Anyone listening, if y'all want to volunteer to come on, do so, please. I'm looking for more people. Other than that, hopefully I'll have another episode to come out after this one. Sweet. So yeah, maybe round two we'll go go camping or something like that. Set up around the camp. That would be fun. Yeah. That would be interesting. I would be all about that. So we'll yeah, see what got we can do. Got an in the forum. We might be able to make something happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll figure it out. Whether a converter. I mean, I have I have a little one in my truck too. That'll work. Oh yeah. If not, like, I'll record with my phone. Shitty, <laughs> shitty quality, be damned, you know? Uh, we'll, we'll try to make it happen. So, uh, other than that, it's fun. Oh, yeah. All right. Later, people.